You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Destiny Show Podcast, part of the Robots Radio Network, live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Robots Radio presents... Hello Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show Podcast. This is episode 10, and on today's episode, we continue the conversation about the new season of The Drifter with Tier 3 Reckoning and the Allegiance Quest. We will be discussing the new Google Stadia that was just announced. We'll talk about Destiny RNG, the weekly update, enhancement cores, and much more. We also welcome a special guest on the show, this week, Siva Tech, welcome. Hello, thanks for having me, guys. We are Pleasure really excited to have you on. And Shadow Price as well, welcome to the show. What's as up? always. How's it going? It's it's an exciting week. A lot of things to talk about in the world of Destiny and video games in general. So it's great to be here. It's been a really fun week. We have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, it's been a very busy week. Uh, GDC was this week. Uh, Google Stadia got announced this week. We had an awesome in Nintendo Nindies Direct yesterday with Cuphead coming to Switch. Um, I'm just, it's been awesome. Awesome, awesome week for video games. Oh, I agree 100%. It's, it's great to be a video gamer. And let's not forget, something is coming very soon. PAX East is coming, and there are rumors going around that um, we're going to be hearing about the next Borderlands video game that's coming out. So that's oh, really yeah. exciting as well. And of course, we just got the Master Chief Collection announced for the PC, along with one of my favorite Halo games, Halo Reach. So I am super excited about that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great time. To be a gamer right now, it's very exciting times. Absolutely. Hey, Sivatech, have you played Halo? That was actually my first uh, FPS shooter that I ever, ever played. 
like eight years ago. <laughs> I picked up Halo One and been hooked on them ever since. Very, very cool. Yes, I I love the Halo series. My first Halo game was actually Halo Reach. And for the audience, if you do not know Siva Tech, well, you should because he is freaking awesome. Siva Tech is a Destiny addict. He is a Twitch streamer, a Destiny community member on Twitter. He does giveaways on his Twitter channel, and he also tweets about Destiny news. And he plays a lot of Destiny from what I hear, and he's been playing since the very beginning, since beta. So we're really excited to have you on the show, and thank you so much for being here. No problem, guys. This is exciting. Yes. Yes, very exciting. So for the very first segment on the show, we have our discussion with the Guardians, of course. and. We have Siva Tech on the show, and I'm curious, Siva, how did you get started playing Destiny? Uh, see, I had never actually heard of Destiny until like the week of the beta. I had a couple of friends that tried it, and like the last day of the beta, they told me about it, like you should get this, and I did, and got to play for a few hours, and I was hooked instantly the second I made a character. Just the world design and like movement and weapons and all that stuff, I was in it. Felt like it was the evolution of Halo as far as the movement and everything goes. Oh, yeah, it's like Halo got a mega facelift. Yeah. Gorgeous. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember when we first started playing Destiny, when we heard about Destiny coming out, it was kind of exciting because Bungie was moving on from the Halo franchise. I think Halo Reach was their last um, Halo game that they made. Mm-hmm. And everybody was really speculating about what Bungie will do, and we knew that Bungie makes the best first-person shooter. The the shooting mechanics are second to none. They're so good. And we played the beta. Uh, I think we got an invitation to to play, and as soon as we started playing it, we loved it. We we played a lot of control. We played uh, story missions on the Cosmodrome, and we were hooked instantly. And it was such an awesome experience, and I think we talked about it a little bit earlier uh, before the podcast, but we actually weren't planning on sticking around and playing Destiny when it first came out. We thought we were going to play Destiny for maybe a couple weeks, maybe a month, until the Call of Duty game came out, and then we were planning on switching over to Call of Duty. We did buy it, but didn't like it, and we went back to Destiny pretty immediately, and we never looked back. We've been playing ever since, and it's been the coolest thing for me personally because i love i love destiny destiny is my favorite game yeah you were the one who basically got us both to play this you pushed for it i remember it was during right around the beta time and everything we were on xbox uh one at the time and yeah you were just like yeah we should play this and we did and we got into it that that first weekend and then we're just like Man, is it September 9th yet? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that I was a catalyst for change. We're the better. And I still remember playing the second strike. It was the Fogoth strike. And it was me, you, and our good friend Swirly. And it took us like three hours to beat that strike. We had green weapons, green armor. We were very much underpowered for the activity but we grind it through and the feeling that 
I had when I actually finished that activity was so awesome. And the camaraderie that you have when you're actually playing with two other people, this really challenging activity, and then you finally are able to finish it. The feeling is so good. Such a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was like we said, an evolution on Halo, because I had never experienced anything like that challenging as far as like one activity and everything. Just going in there completely underleveled and outgunned and outmanned in every fashion. But we found a way to get through it. And that was basically that set this tone and the stage for our destiny careers. Definitely. I can agree. So, Siva, who did you side with during the Allegiance quest? Did you side with the Vanguard or did you side with the Drifter? And why? Actually, I actually sided with a little bit of both. Uh, I'm a little bit, I'm a completionist, so I've got, I've got to play both. I've got to get all that lore and all that juicy news and loot. Uh, but I went with Vanguard first, um, just because I felt like everybody else was going to go Drifter and I wanted to go the, the opposite direction of it. Um, played through the Vanguard campaign, and then on my second character, I went through the Drifter campaign. And I kind of wish I did the Drifter first. It was a lot cooler, I would say. Oh, that's really cool. Shadow Price, what about you? I went to the Vanguard as well, because for the same reasons as Siva, because I heard that everybody was going to go with the Drifter. And from what I hear, it was probably kind of the right choice just to do so to some implications and things that are in the lore that you find out as you're going through it. So it's kind of interesting how Bungie basically gave you that choice, not knowing if you didn't look at the lore, you had no backstory to what was going on. Like who, who to actually, you had a moral dilemma on like, Oh my God, who am I going to side with here? Yeah, I think I did the same thing. I sided with the Vanguard on my Hunter, which I'm a Hunter main, by the way, because Cade 6 is an awesome character, and I just gravitated to that character type. Also, I love the jumps with the Hunter. I still cannot get used to the jumping with Titan and Warlock. And oh man, if you watch me try to play a raid, especially the jumping puzzles with my Warlock or my Titan, Man, you could make some really funny uh, bloopers <laughs> about that because I am yeah. not very good with my warlock or my titan with the jump. So I always gravitated to my hunter and I wanted to maintain that natural uh, story progression because obviously the hunter has always been the, the hunter vanguard. So I did side with the vanguard as well. Uh, but I am also a completionist in this game. So for my Warlock and my Titan, I will be uh, siding with the Drifter. Well, let's be honest. I mean, you're not really siding with the Vanguard. You're siding with Honor in the Prexic Order if you go through that mission and see what's going on. Because the Vanguard are so hands-off, they actually have... they're They're fine with the Drifter. They don't have a problem with the Drifter. It's the Praxic Order that has a problem with the Drifter. Yeah, that's an interesting point. There's some now, really interesting lore in that honor like book. You basically like honor is the snitch, basically. So, so for anyone who does not know, what what is the Praxic Order? It's like a I would say a group of warlocks that these 
what would you say like these band of like like they're i wouldn't call them mercenaries but i would call them some sort of like black order i'm trying to think of a world real world example you know what i'm saying not not as crazy as the illuminati but something a little you know lower on the on the list there talking like uh like a vigilante yeah yeah something like that yeah yeah basically like think deadpool but a bunch of them and they're just a bunch of warlocks but they have like they have a code apparently but they're trying to protect the city but they do it in some very shady ways and everything so as you read through the lore you you'll find out i don't want to spoil anything for people until they have had a chance to read through the lore. If you haven't played the mission yet, definitely play it, because it's an awesome mission. I think it's one of the highlights from this new season of The Drifter, and check it out. There's a lot of really cool lore behind it, and there's a really cool cutscene that's uh, in, in it as well. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's some of the best lore that we've gotten like to date in-game and everything. So. A lot of people have said that that this new season has some of the most awesome lore that we've had ever. And I'm, yeah. a, I'm really into the lore in Destiny. I don't know about you guys, but I love lore in this game. I read the Grimoire Anthology. As soon as it came out, I picked it up. I pre-ordered on Amazon. I got it on release day, and I read through it in one sitting. I, I was so into it from the very beginning and it's such an awesome read if you haven't read it check it out it's available on amazon i think it's only like 17 bucks definitely worth the read do you have the uh grimoire anthology siva i do not um is that is this like a compilation of all the the lore in destiny i believe it's the first i want to say the first book of sorrow right corn i believe that's what it is the book of sorrow yes it is the book of sorrows it's a compilation Actually, you know what? I think it is It is the Book of Sorrows. I thought it was only the first chapter that was the Book of Sorrows, but I guess the first volume yeah. in the book. And I, you got to think, that's probably one of the beginning stories in Destiny because those stories of the Hive, when they were called the Krill back in Fundament, is like probably since the beginning of Destiny. So it's almost like the genesis of Destiny, the beginning. Yeah, it, it gives you the first three chapters in Dark Mirror. And part of it is the Book of Sorrows, which is the first chapter in the book. Well worth the read. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but you learn more about Thorn. You learn about the Last Word. You learn about Sivu Arath. You learn about Oryx and his sister and everything that happened with that storyline. There's a lot of really awesome stuff in it and some really awesome art. So if you're into Destiny art, check it out. It's really, really a great read. You can probably read it in a couple of days. I, I really grinded. I didn't stop. So I mm-hmm. spent the whole day reading it, but it's totally worth it. And they are coming out with a volume two, I believe, later in the summer, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Shadow? Yeah. Or the fall, beginning of fall, something like that. Yeah, could be the end of summer. Oh so, yeah. Okay. Very cool. We'll we'll have to keep an eye on that, and uh, I I believe you can pre-order it right now. 
it's either available for pre-order or you can sign up to receive updates on it. But check out the Bungie store. Oh, speaking of the Bungie store, we need to talk about something. We have an elephant in the room. Uh-oh. About the Bungie store. Because there's some things going on with it that I'm not exactly excited about. And Shadow Price will agree with me on this one. Yeah. What is up yeah. with the shipping rates on all of these items that you guys are selling on the Bungie store? It's insane. If you look at the Book of Sorrow, or the uh, Grimoire Anthology, it's a $25 book, but then they're charging you another $15 for shipping? Come on, guys. I, I don't think that's fair or just or appropriate for them to inflate the shipping cost by so much, especially for hardcore fans like us who want to buy your merchandise and your things. Yeah, I agree. What do you think about that, Siva? I actually didn't know that they had were doing that. Um, I actually bought like one of the collector pins a couple days ago, and the shipping was, I think, $5? But that's just like a bubble-wrapped envelope that, that comes in. What kind of packaging and stuff does the, the books come with that could warrant that? Yeah, a couple of things that you'll buy on there are reasonably priced. If you buy a shirt, they're only going to charge you like 4 or $5 for shipping. That's not too bad. Seems like the and, little things that, you know, just like you said, pins and shirts and stuff yeah. are I remember, fine. I remember I tried to purchase a bungee mug because it looks <laughs> awesome, okay? It was a $15 mug, but then by the time I was done, after the shipping, it was like $30. And I was like, guys, come on. You're charging me $15 for a cup, and then I have to pay $15 for you to ship it? Yeah, it doesn't that's, make sense. It doesn't make sense. That's where I drew the line too with like being very salty about like how they're doing that. It's they're gouging the shipping costs and it just it doesn't seem right. Yeah, and I, I hope they address this. I am going to write a post about it on Reddit. And hopefully it gains some attention and I really hope they address this in the future because I want to shop more on the Bungie store, but with certain things, it's hard to support them. Let me give you an example. I would love to buy this Grimoire Anthology Volume 2 from the Bungie store, but I probably won't because I don't want to pay $40 for something I can literally go on Amazon and pay $16, get free shipping, and it's done. It's yeah, it's the whole you principle know, of the I, I and again, I want to support Bungie directly. And I would even if I had to pay more for the book but not have to pay this outrageous amount in shipping. But because of the shipping cost, it deters it me you from off, shopping. It puts you off from it. Yeah. Definitely. So Bungie, please, please Bungie, fix it. Be fair. Be fair to the Guardians because we love your game. We support you guys. We want to buy your stuff, and please make it a feasible option with how you price your shipping rates. Please. Yeah, you got to help us help you. We'll support you as much as we can, but man, you got to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Exactly. Be fair. Be fair to the Guardians, and we will support you 10 times over. But I don't mean to rant on this topic, so... Let's let's move on to the next uh, thing. So, Sivatech, I have a question for you. Fire away. What is your favorite exotic since 
the annual pass came out between oh. last season and this season. Do you have a favorite exotic in the game or favorite legendary? Exotic. Mm, can I go like per class or do I have to like narrow it down to one single? Yeah, let's do per class. That sounds per fun. Per class? Okay. Um, I'm going to say for the Warlock, definitely Starfire Protocol. Or not Starfire, Phoenix Protocol, sorry. The chess piece that uh, when you get kills in your Rift or your Well of uh, Radiance, it gives you super energy back. That one is phenomenal. Uh, same thing with the Titans, the Super Gauntlets, the Ursa Furiosas. I'm going to have to go with those two. Just blocking with your shield, you get more super back. I like things that give me my powers back because I want to feel strong. Uh, <laughs> I want to be a God Slayer at 24-7. Um, for the Hunter, got to be shards. Got to be shards of Galanor. Yeah, I can agree with a couple. Uh, at least, yeah, I don't have Phoenix Protocol. But I have both the shards and Ursa, and yeah, they're both very uh, strong as far as their abilities go. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I have not gotten shards of Galnor yet. Oh, you have still haven't out. gotten. It. You're gonna love. Yeah, them I, I love the hunter. For me, and this is gonna sound really weird, but I really love the knucklehead radar. And let me tell you why. Because if I'm playing in the Crucible. Usually I'm using a Blast Furnace for my primary, Lunas Hell for my secondary slot. And that combination, along with having that radar at the top left corner of your screen, it's deadly. You know, it gives gives me an advantage where I will 90% of the time get that kill. And I really have appreciated that exotic in the game a lot. It it promotes good... Game, uh, map awareness and things of that nature too because you're actually looking at the radar more often too and it's like that's very important when you're playing pvp is to look at your radar and you know keep that awareness about you definitely siva do you have a favorite legendary weapon in the new annual pass uh i'm a pretty limited guardian to my weapons i stick with what i like I've brought better devils from year one all the way forward. <laughs> I like better devils. Um, the EP shotgun. I would say probably if I had to go for new tempered dynamo, the fusion rifle from Scourge of the Past, uh, has risen pretty up there. Um, I haven't gotten the best roll, but it's just a really good fusion rifle. I'd probably, I'd probably go for that one. I like fusions because they're so underrated. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I when I think of fusions, I think of Praetorian foil. From D1, I think of the 77 Wizard. I think of, uh, let's see, um, what's the one from? There was Light in the Abyss, Pocket Infinity, as far as the exotics go. Oh goodness, Plan C. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah the Plan C. I feel like I liked, I liked fusion rifles way more in Destiny One than I do in D2. I think that they haven't really been part of the meta in the game, and I feel like for my secondary slot. I'm usually using the uh, EP shotgun, the Ikelos. That's been my go-to since the Warmind expansion. And still, it's my favorite shotgun in the game. And even if I got like hampered with with the uh, the trench barrel, got I got somewhat nerfed. It's still a lethal a lethal choice to use. Yeah, we we were actually playing tier three reckoning last night, and that was essential, especially with such close quarter combat. When you have all these yellow bar ads in your face as you're 
going through the six different like uh, circles along the bridge yeah yeah along you along the bridge to the points so it's it's been a lot of fun for me um fusion rifles man i really wish i played with fusion rifles more in d2 i'm gonna have to hopefully find one that i really like and gravitate to i think my problem with fusion rifles is that it takes too long for you to recharge them between when you're shooting the enemy and i don't like that yeah it's a skilled weapon because you have to pace your shots and things like that you have to pre-charge and everything and then poke out and then get be ready to fire as you're you're coming out of cover and everything so and try to get your shots on target. I see fusions are definitely like that, not as risk reward as shotguns are, but they definitely have like the pros and cons. Like I like the ability that fusions can like wipe out multiple enemies. If you can line them up right, a shotgun can't do that. Um, you got the, you got more range over shotguns, but they spread out a little bit more and lose kind of damage over distance. Yeah. Like it's just, once you find one that you like and learn how it works, it it could become a lethal lethal choice. It's such a destiny weapon too, because mm-hmm. of this of you know, just the space magic in it all. You know, it's you're firing bolts of energy from your gun. Yeah, you know, harnessing like, plasma. Yeah. Maybe we should play the Scourge of the Past raid. Maybe try to get that fusion rifle. Yeah, that would be fun. I that's the one thing I wish I did more in this game. I really wish I played Scourge of the Past more. I only played it a handful of times definitely not as much as any of the other raids that i played i played it once one time one and yeah, done i would like to play it more too because it looks fun yeah do you like the scourge of the past raid siva um i would say not as much as the other ones it's it's definitely more chaotic and less mechanic heavy i would say than like leviathan or um last wish oh last wish was intense just for the length and mechanics of it uh scourge is just like i think it's like a good bite size raid i would compare it to like a crota like a crota raid it's just a couple encounters that you can knock out see what i really liked about Scourge, especially when you go into the first area of the raid it's like this city that you have to travel through it's so different from anything we've experienced and i really like that or the part where you're doing the race through the fire pits oh that is so fun so much fun yeah, it's almost like the Death Zamboni in um like <laughs> Yeah. Oh D1 man, the Death Zamboni in the uh Wrath of the Machine raid, which is a really good raid. I miss playing those raids so much. Oh my god. What's your <laughs> favorite raid, Siva? I think you can take a guess and pretty much <laughs> nail it. I just wanted to get confirmation. I, I think just... you know. The Wrath <laughs> of the Machine all the way, for sure. I know there's a lot of people that like OG Vogue. Gavalta glasses, like true to their hearts, but this guy, like say, yeah, Wrath is definitely my favorite, and this guy, and that guy. <laughs> no, but Wrath is very good. I I enjoy myself with that raid because it's just, it was the first raid you went actually outdoors and everything, mm-hmm. where you were outdoors and you were going against that big Death Zamboni. And then when you got on the other side, you had to get the parts and you had to bring it to the thing to repair it and everything. That was really cool. That was really fun, dynamic part of their raid. Yeah, also, my I agree. favorite part was the uh, Axis encounters. Like, just the chaos of it. Like, the call-outs, the Guardians are all running all over the place trying to 
Oh yeah. For the rolls, dude, that was so fun. That was my. It was favorite. a visually striking raid too. Oh, Very yeah. pretty raid. Like especially when you went down in that room with the Tron, the Tron like it looked like Tron basically, with all the columns all lit up and like these neon colors and stuff. So cool. You're talking about the server. Room? Yeah, the server room. Yeah yeah. 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 And it unlocked some lore too, didn't it? Which is really cool. It, when you, when yeah. you go on those platforms and everybody did it all at the right time, it unlocked some extra things. I like that idea. I really hope they do more of that in the future. Yeah, definitely. And you got the Outbreak Prime from solving that riddle with the binary, reading binary. <laughs> that was really interesting. That was a really unique addition to the game with the binary code and how they just how it all came together. It was so awesome. I wonder how they would reintroduce that gun in Destiny 2. Like, are we going to have to read binary again? Or there'll be some sort of other wrinkle involved, I'm sure. <laughs> so if you want to keep it canon and like lore-wise, there is SIVA. Cash is on Nessus. And I think if they were to bring it back, Failsafe would come into play with that because she's, since she's oh, a, yeah. a sentient AI, she could probably just decipher the binary for us. We would have to do. That. Oh yeah, we got a we got a binary decipher right, right. right in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So now, Siva, what is your favorite game of all time? Oh, uh, I would say I'm going to go in terms of what I've spent the most hours in. Um, I'm probably going to say Borderlands Two. I think Ooh. I've logged more time in that than I have in Destiny One or Two. Uh, but it's a very close. Those are definitely the top three. What would I'm, you say is the thing that you like the most about it? About Borderlands? Borderlands, yeah. Just the loot. So much loot. Never-ending loot. <laughs> mm -hmm. The aesthetic of it was cool, too. There, I don't think I've ever... Is there any other game that looks like that with the cell shading? Um, Not to that <laughs> extent, I don't think. They have their own aesthetic that is, really sets them apart. Yeah. Yeah, the art style is really unique, and I'm really curious to the third installment because, I mean, they've been working on it for quite some time now. What what year did Borderlands 2 come out? I want to say it's 2012. Correct. Yep. Okay. 2012. Yeah, That's... and I was thinking, yeah. You so like that would the give them seven aspect. years. That would give them seven years to have worked on it. That's awesome. That's so much time. Yeah. And just to put that into perspective, between GTA 4 and GTA 5, that was only five years. And look how big and massive that game was yeah so borderlands has so much potential yeah yeah do you think if we get a borderlands 3 this year uh destiny's gonna lose some players because of that i'll be one of them destiny will take the back burner sorry bungie but man i gotta stick with some borderlands that game really hooked me into the looter shooter genre and see that's uh -huh. That's what I want Destiny to do. I want them to double, triple, quadruple down on the loot and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I want more of it. I want more varied variants of it. Um, other burns. Introduce some new burns. I know it's not canon or anything like that, but maybe, maybe it can be. <laughs> yeah, this is actually my biggest issue with the annual pass, and it's that there's no vendor refresh. Oh, it, yeah. it feels kind of bare if you play Iron Banner. The weapons aren't really new, which I kind of grinds yeah. my gear. 
it makes yeah. the game less fun to play because you're chasing after things that you don't care as much about. And the loot is the main thing in the game. And I just don't think there's nearly enough of it. There's it's... not enough. There's not enough to entice you to go and play strikes. There's not enough to entice you to play crucible. There's not enough to entice you to go back and play through the raids that you already beat and got the weapons from. So it almost feels like the content feels a little thin in that respect because there's not enough for you to chase after. Right. It's got to be a time thing when it comes to Bungie and everything. Like the time it would take them to like do those extra things. And but you know what? Hire more people to do those things then. It's it's not a matter of time. If, if, if you cannot get it done with the resources you have, just bring on some more people to draw some cool weapons and make some cool loot. That's easiest for us to say, though, because, I mean, they are independent now. They, they've they got to fit the bill everywhere, you know? So it's, I mean, it's well, easy for us to say that. And they're in bed. But... They're in bed with NetEase, so they can always get some money from there. And also, I'm sure that if it will, in the long run, make the video game better, take some people away from Destiny 3. Because it would be Again, horrible. it's easy for us to say that. that yeah. they, they've got multiple teams working on multiple things right now. Like, they got, their, they got the team working on Destiny 3, obviously. They've got the team working on the NetEase project. They've got the teams working on free, the future DLCs and things like that. You got the, you know, the marketing teams. You got the teams that are trying to probably figure out what they're going to do about the publishing aspect and everything with, you know, Bungie now being their own bosses, basically. Yeah. So it's, there's a lot of allocation going on right now in within the company. So I think what they did with a lot of these passes, they were already like complete and everything. So Vicarious Visions, they are doing Season of Opulence. They already said, Bungie already said that that was going to be their swan song. Mm -hmm. and everything. So. We'll see what Bungie's going to add on in addition to that, if they're going to put anything additional in there. You know, I mean, there'll be a lot of quality of life things, probably quality of life improvements, but how will the content look based on, you know, that being the final piece tied to Activision and everything? Yeah, it'll be really interesting. And actually, about Season of the Opulence, I, I want to say next week, a bunch of Destiny community members have been invited to the Bungie studio to play the new content and give feedback on it. So I'm really interested to see what the outcome of that will be. Yeah, they're going to be able to give direct feedback, sounds like, and hopefully they'll be able to keep people's best interests at heart and what they think, you know, that people want to see in this game. And everything. Well, I mean, obviously, they won't be able to probably change too much. I mean, it's more just feedback, probably. It's more just what we can get after that. What Bungie is control of after Season of Opulence. You know, like yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what happens after Season of the Opulence because Luke Smith did hint at Vault of Glass in some way. Place. So. I'm really hoping that's what comes next. I really hope we get to go back into the Vault of Glass because for me, I'd love to experience these things on the PC. And 
for me, I mean, the Vault of Glass, again, it's my favorite raid of all time. And it's very special to me. And I believe, for me personally, that was the best time in Destiny. That's when I had the most fun in the game. And that's where the progression felt natural. It was grindy. But at the same time, you had a reason to keep playing those raids, right? You got the uh, shards from it, so you can upgrade your, your armor. And you also got awesome weapons. Arguably the best weapons that we had in the game. The best legendaries, like, hands down. The synergy with those weapons were just, oh my god. They're so good. Just the perks alone. Fatebringer. I mean... <laughs> Just such an amazing weapon. Fatebringer, Vision of Confluence, Praetorian Foil. Oh. Corrective Measure. Uh, yeah, has Vengeance. I mean, yeah, the whole list. Vex Mythoclast before the nerf. I mean, if you got Vex Mythoclast that first week, oh man, you were, you were a crucible god. <laughs> you were killing. That was oh, a lot man. of fun. If only I could turn back time. Who remembers the loot cave on the Cosmodrome? Who could forget? If you were there, you'll remember. I mean, it was just, it was like a ritual. You would see people grouped up right on that little mountaintop shooting at the cave for hours on end. And oh man, I had so much fun. Was there anything like these things in Borderlands too, Siva? Like these things that we experienced in Destiny as far as raids go and, you know, the secrets with the loot caves and thing, things like that? Raids, no. I would just say like singular boss fights is what Borderlands had. Um, nothing of like the caliber that Bungie's been putting out with their raids. Right. But they had like some really interesting dialogue and, and funny story and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But your character was kind of a mute, right? You didn't, your character didn't talk or anything, did they? Hmm. You bring, I don't think they talked very much now that you bring it up. I never really paid attention to it. Yeah. I mean, Claptrap was like your ghost, basically, in a way, for a bit. But then he kind of just chilled on his own and stuff. I, I got to level 30 in that game, and then I just I got playing Black Ops 2. And I got sucked into Black Ops 2 and zombies. Played a lot of zombies. <laughs> yeah, we played a lot of Black Ops. That was so much fun. In fact, I bought uh, Black Ops 2. Not for the PvP stuff, but I bought it only for zombies, and we played that religiously. Yeah, yeah, there was we we definitely went hard in that for about six good six months or so before Ghosts came out, and yeah. then after Ghosts, that's when we got into Destiny, and here we still are. <laughs> Absolutely. So now, in addition to Borderlands Three, that is rumored to come, we also have something that was actually confirmed by 343 Studios, Halo, the Master Chief Collection, and Halo Reach are both coming to PC. What are your thoughts on that, Siva? Uh, see, I don't see me getting it, um, just because I've pretty much exhausted like the Halo games. Like I said, I played those games like for a decade straight, like nothing else. Kind of like how I'm doing with Destiny now. Um, do we know if it's like a remastered version, or if it's just been ported over? I think they're being remastered. remastered, built from, yeah, built from, oh, ground from the ground. Oh, dude, yeah. that would look phenomal then. 4K60? 
Oh man, I kind of yeah. want to get it now just to see <laughs> graphically what it's going to look like. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what Reach is going to look like. And here's like. the really cool thing: the forges in Halo, not in Destiny, where you could literally make your own map. That's coming back too. Theater mode is coming back, so you can actually watch your friends play. And one of one of our good friends, Rebuken, who is one of the top Crucible players in Destiny, he said he's moving on to Halo when that comes out. He's going to be moving on to Halo. He's in Yeah, I mean, it's going to bring like the PvP community back to Halo and everything. Yeah. So that's that's that is exciting. That has a lot of definitely interesting implications when it comes to destiny I, I might have to definitely add that game to my to my playlist of uh, games yeah absolutely and you can probably get the master chief collection for pretty cheap if you don't already have it so and i'm pretty uh, from what they said halo reach was going to be a, a dlc essentially so you'll probably have to pay 10 20 bucks and you'll have access to all of the content there which right and they're like. rolling one out per time per per you know they're doing reach first like they're not rolling everything out at once reach is going to be first and then so on and so forth after reach like halo 1 halo 2 halo 3 and then halo adst and then probably halo 4 yeah, because they are doing so many more improvements for it. They they're literally redoing assets and things like that. Yeah, they said they're going to stagger the release because they want to get everything right. They want to make it, you know, perfect with each release. So they're going to be releasing uh, Halo Reach first, and then they're going to move on to Halo One, followed by Halo Two, followed by Halo Three, and followed by Halo Four. Yeah, an so. ODST sandwiched in there. Are we getting ODST as well? Pretty sure, yep. Because okay. it was added to the collection, I believe. Um, if you had the Master Chief collection after, like, I don't know, a certain amount of time. I can't remember how long, but they did add it to it. Very cool. So, Siva, last question of the discussion with the Guardians. Are you a physical guy or are you a digital guy when it comes to your games? I used to be a physical. Um... But the disc reader on my Xbox One uh, gave up the ghost about two years ago, and I've had to go digital ever since. It kind of makes me sad. Like, if I got one, I'm waiting for the, uh, not the Xbox One X, but whatever comes after that. Yeah, I'll probably go for that, and then I'll go back to physical at that point. Yeah, and the great thing about Xbox is you know that they really care about backwards compatibility. So all of the games that you have, on the current generation console and the previous generation console, they're going to move with you and you're going to be able to play those games on the next version of whatever Xbox we get for, I want to say ninth generation, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Gen nine. So that should be really interesting. Now I do want to ask you one other thing because you are on the Xbox and it, it affects us or it has affected us for quite some time now. What are your thoughts on, content exclusivity like what we got with sony playstation having extra content like strikes an exotic and armor what do you think of that i think there's a limit that 
shouldn't or that uh should be set i think a year of exclusivity is a little much i don't like that i think like a month or two would be okay um but like when it comes to exotics like right now destiny 2 playstation players have wave splitter which is a like a linear fusion rifle and from what i've heard it is phenomenal in the crucible and what i'm hoping is not going to happen is by the time the xbox players get it it's going to be nerfed so we're not even ever going to get to see it at its like full glory and potential. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that. I agree yeah, with I agree. you. In some Always. cases, you would have to wait two years to get content, which is outrageous. It's not right. And I really hope that this type of exclusivity never happens again, because I feel that if I purchased a $60 game, Regardless of which platform I'm playing on, I should be getting the same content. Agreed. You know? And on top of that, when the content feels kind of thin in the game, especially, you got to make sure you're taking care of all the players, not just PlayStation players. And here's another more important thing about this, which is kind of baffling to me. Because if you're a diehard Bungie fan, you came from the Xbox. You supported them from the very beginning because you were playing on the Xbox, you were playing the original Halo games. So for them to jump ship and say, hey, if you're on the PlayStation, we're going to give you this extra stuff, it almost feels like a slap to all the people who supported Bungie from day one on the Xbox because a mm -hmm. lot of people did not migrate with the game to PlayStation. We did. We did migrate to the PlayStation platform until PC came out. And, I mean, who doesn't want to play in... 1440p and 140 frames <laughs> i do i'm not going back i mean i do go back to playstation to play with my friends in fact i did try to get on to play the uh, gambit bungee bounty i couldn't play it because while i have forsaken i didn't have the annual pass Ooh, on playstation so i wasn't able to play on there but i uh, the frames do bug me like it takes me some time to adjust from 30 frames to 100 and PC is definitely the way to go. And I'm excited about the next generation consoles and see how well they're going to be able to run Destiny and maybe add things like crossplay and cross save. That'll you took the words right out of my right. mouth, man. I was okay. thinking the exact same thing. I just want at least I would love cross save. Like just to be able to carry that con, you know, all that work and progression that I did on PC over to PlayStation when I play on there so I don't have to regrind. <laughs> I agree so, 100%. Yeah. So Shadow, are you a physical guy or a digital guy? Oh, I'm I'm physical. I I mean, I buy games on Steam and things like that, but I I'm a collector. I I collect physical copies of a lot of my games because I believe in video game preservation and I want to be able to have that tangible item, that game cartridge or disc or what have you, when this digital age takes over and somehow I don't own these games anymore through digital means, I want to be able to have the physical version of it. I agree. I'm the same way, especially for Nintendo Switch games. There's something really special about having a cartridge that we don't have anymore in video games at least not nearly as much. I mean, on the Switch, you have that. You have it if you have a Nintendo 3DS. But Sony and Xbox both moved to a disc format, which 
it's not as cool as having a cartridge in my opinion no but it it allows them to store so much more in you know data and everything on discs you know that's that's the one thing that kind of hamstrings hamstrings nintendo it's just cartridges you're limited to space they're working on bigger ones though they're they're trying to get the 64 gigabyte ones and once they get the 64 gigabyte ones they can put much bigger games on there and everything so you know we'll see right now the highest switch cartridge goes up to 32 gigs but they're trying to get the 64 gigs one out this year yeah, it should be really interesting to see how they are progressed with that because that would allow them to create bigger games and not require for you to download half the game like what we have right now. With yeah, the system. yeah, that's very frustrating. That's why I have multiple SD cards for that reason alone. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, the other thing that really kind of worries me about digital games. Like, I understand the convenience of not having to put the disc in or, or put the cartridge in. But then you have things like PT. It was, a, it was a demo that came out for PlayStation. And even if I got the demo, I, I, have, I have it, I can't play it. Because Sony removed it from you being able to even download it. And I'm very much against that, uh, that idea. I feel that... Again, video game preservation is very important. And what happens long after the servers are, are no longer active within whatever game you're playing, look at the Wii, the Wii for example, right? You can't buy Wii games anymore. The, the, the eShop on the Nintendo Wii, it's pretty much dead, right? Yeah, you have to get them through other means, you know, eBay and or, Amazon physically and everything. So, Or think about like original Xbox games and... You know, I, I get not everybody's going to want to play a game that's 20 years old, but some people will. And I think it's important to preserve the games that come out not only today, but 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. Yeah. I, I have one more question for Siva, too, actually. Um, when you... When you uh stream on Twitch and you stream Destiny, are you more of a PvP or a PvE like streamer? PvE almost exclusively. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I'm not much of a Crucible fan. So you enjoy raiding and things like that? Oh yeah, raids. Like... Um, I actually like wherever I was streaming. Um, I haven't streamed in a while now, but I would just stream strikes and just like patrols and stuff like that. That would, it's not mentally like tasking. That way I can interact with the stream more and kind of just turn my brain off and play. And then just be able to focus on like talking and communicating with the audience. Like, yeah, talking to chat and yeah. everything like If you that. ever stream doing a raid, it's really hard trying to hear your teammates with their callouts, make your own callouts, interact with the, the stream. It's a lot to juggle. So I It's much like easier to do strikes. And oh, yeah, for sure. Engage with the chat and everything. I'm sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Destiny 1 strikes or Destiny 2 strikes? What do you Ooh, prefer? I would say Destiny 1. Me too. <laughs> oh, the bosses were so much more. Oh, yeah. They were so more iconic. I yeah, felt actually, like. Actually, probably about a month ago, I actually went back to um, good old. Uh, what was it called? It wasn't called EDZ, just Earth, I guess, wasn't it? Cosmodrome. Cosmodrome, that's what it was. Uh, I went back there and I was just like, you know what? I want to kill me some Omnigo right now. I'm, I've been missing her. So I went back. 
I queued up that strike straight from the register, uh, and I, it didn't pair me with anybody. I had to solo the whole thing, and it made me really sad that nobody else was doing that. Corn, we we need to hops on some Destiny one sometime again soon. Absolutely, and guess what? We can hop on right on Xbox because that's where everything started, dude. I still have the blacksmith shader on Xbox. That's so oh, special. I never got that one. The most special shader. That's the best thing that came out of Call of Duty: Advanced Warfare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I yeah. know it's sad to say, but I pre-ordered. I got the blacksmith shader. That's the most enjoyment I got from that game, hands down, and. I still have a vault problem in uh, on Xbox. I'm I'm maxed out. I have no space for any drops or anything. But I I love I love uh, Destiny One, and I had the most fun playing strikes. Remember the Omnigal strike? Yeah, just yeah, so much fun. See, was just mentioned he went back and did that so one. Yeah, fun. so much fun. Yeah, that and Thanks. Nexus. I love the Nexus because I love the music. I love just the ominous nature of it. Do you remember where we used to like stay up top and then we had to keep uh, killing that Praetorian that kept coming yep. from oh, you guys were ledge huggers. Oh, oh yeah. And then it, and then it, like, then it spawned <laughs> you down bottom after a while, right? I think they yep. changed it where they spawned you down bottom. You couldn't they like, did. stay up there anymore. Yeah, yeah. man, that, those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> it was so dangerous down there. You, you just would die instantly anytime yeah. you got hit by that splash damage from Nexus. <laughs> I love the fact that in Destiny 1, in a way, you were able to play the game your way. There were so many different ways for you to play, strikes, different activities. I think they doubled down on that in Destiny 2. Like, you can't cheese things like you could in D1. Remember, do you remember the second encounter of Crota's End right after the stills, where, like, if, some, if two players went all the way up top, Oh yeah, you essentially despawned. Fly like, across the sword bridge. Yeah, yep. and hide behind one of the lanterns while mm -hmm. people snipe the ogres from across the map. Yep, I remember that. Those were some memories, for sure. Bolt of glass, like when they brought it back. Uh, when you were at the oracle section of, uh, right before Templar, uh, you would have that person hide up above like in oh the yeah above the 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 hidden right oracle mm -hmm. like they could have easily put in a barrier there i don't know why they never did it they just kind of just let us do it and it felt like they started cracking the whip in d2 like no you can't do that yeah i mean people still find glitch spots you know in the game but yeah it doesn't seem like it's as prominent as it was in d1 no cheese for you no no cheese for us lactose tolerant <laughs> So, guys, before we move on to the next segment, I do want to mention that the Destiny Show podcast is available on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and really any place where you would listen to podcasts. You can also check us out on the web at www.destinyshow.com for all of the latest news on Destiny and for all of the latest episodes. And you can also follow us on Twitter at The Destiny Show for all of the latest updates and episodes of our podcast. I do have one more thing to announce, and this is something that I've been working on all week. And starting with next week's episode, will be on YouTube 
finally, we're coming to YouTube. And I'm really excited to have all of the episodes that we recorded previously on YouTube. And every episode that we will be recording in the future will be available not only on your podcasting platforms, but on YouTube as well. So now I do want to move on to Hotfix 2.2.0.2 that came out a couple of days ago. And we have a few updates with that that I uh, want to go over today. The drop rates for powerful engrams have finally been fixed. And they confirmed that after 690, your increase will be at a slower rate of plus one above your current light level. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? I think that's good because, you know, you, you give people the more, the better, the higher drops as you're trying to increase your light. But they kind of, you know, they kind of slow you down when you get there to the end because they're trying to make it more, you know, they're trying to push people to, it, it's just a slower burn to get there. They don't want everybody to be 700, even though like last week I saw 700 already when I was playing a tier three. So it's like now I'm seeing a few more every time I play that people are already there. <laughs> yeah. Siva, what are your thoughts on the powerful engrams and the drop rates? I feel like it's a double-edged sword. Um, I like that spading up to 690. It's, you know, a fairly decent grind. Um, it's not like too overburdensome. Uh, it feels somewhat manageable coming from 650. I don't know how this is going to be for Guardians Under. Uh, thank goodness for those catch-up bounties from the Drifter that bring you up to 640 because, man, this would have been really rough for anybody coming back from the four, uh, Black Armory update. Um, but I feel like people are going to get if unless they put some kind of duplicate protection for drops, like if you get like four chess pieces in a row at they're each just plus one, I could see people not being very happy with that. But I do see where Bungie's coming from by trying to slow it slow it down. But also I don't know why they wouldn't want us to to be stronger. Like if we're putting in the work to get the Ingrams, I feel like we should be rewarded for that. See, for me, it almost feels like they're trying to prolong your grind to 700 correct but they're not doing it in a fun way right no because let me give you an example if they said okay if you're 690 the only two activities that you can play to get to 700 is scourge of the past raid and tier three reckoning that would create more meaning behind that power whereas now i feel like it's like and you get a powerful engram and you get a powerful <laughs> gram and you get a powerful engram. To me, it's like I shouldn't be getting them by playing just normal strikes. You know, I, I prefer the system we had in Destiny 1 Vanilla where in order for you to get to, to achieve that pinnacle power level status, you had to play the raid, period. Yeah, There's no class. other way for you to do it. And they included or, Iron Banner, though, too. Like, you still got that drop. You could get the drop. If you didn't get from the raid, you could get it from Iron Banner. And I believe Trials of Osiris also gave you the, the Trials. drops as trials well. Trials, too. Yes, yes. Because that's end game. That's Trials was the hardest PvP thing in the game to go flawless. It was the hardest thing to do. Yeah. And I, I miss that system personally. I know that the grind would probably slow down a bit more. But guess what? It would add more meaning behind the grind where now it's like, oh, plus one drop. Okay, well, I'm not going to care to get to 700 now because it's such a slow progression. And 
it, it doesn't feel as meaningful where, okay, if I had to play Scourge of the Past Raid, that's what most people would be playing. And I think that they're trying to cater to everybody, but in the process, they are losing sight of what powerful drops actually mean. Because from Vanilla Destiny, when the game first came out, powerful drops were obtainable from the most difficult pinnacle activities in the game, period. Nothing else. And with this new system, I think that they devalued the meaning behind powerful uh, light level and power uh, level. Yeah, just like you said, it's a double-edged sword. It's a yeah. difficult balance because they're trying to they're trying to please both sets of players. They're trying to please the people who are, won't just like say, "Oh, screw this game. I'm not getting what I want. I'm not increasing power." You know, I'm done with this. To yeah. the people who are the diehards and you know will grind out every little piece of content like that there is. So it's a difficult balance. They're going to have to figure out, like, after this season of opulence, are they going to continue with this powerful engram thing? I, I, I agree. I think they need to do away with it and put the most powerful drops behind the raid and endgame content and things like that. Yeah, I agree. Siva, what do you think about them changing the power system to only reward the most powerful drops from the most challenging activities like raids and maybe add some cool stuff to Niobe Labs. Make it worth playing that, right? Right, so you're not just getting a ghost and a sparrow. That would be nice. Because yeah. I still haven't done Niobe Labs. I haven't even stepped foot into it since it was just freely unlocked for everybody. I was like, well, cool. I guess there's no incentive now for me to go do it. Do you think that it would benefit the game for your most powerful drops to be rewarded only from the most difficult activities like raids and tier three reckoning and niobe labs see i came since coming from destiny one and that's how that's how it was um you didn't really have a choice i like that system um but to play devil's advocate i don't think the the player base of destiny would um because they've a lot of people have come in straight to destiny 2 skipping destiny 1 so they've grown to know the system of i do this I do three strikes and I get a powerful Ingram. I do a nightfall, get a powerful Ingram. I do flashpoint, which is like two public events and an adventure, get two powerful. Ingram. It's just, they're really hand fed to us. So I feel like if they, if they just flick the switch and like, okay, you guys have to go do raids and you have to go do like trials or if that comes back, I don't think the player base would like that. Very much. They are weighted differently though. Those powerful Ingrams, they're weighted less, I believe from like flashpoints and you know the strikes doing the three strikes they're weighted much more higher i believe from raids and things like that am i i'm not wrong with that right from personal experience i noticed that from little activities like crucible you get a plus one increase if you're playing the raid it's plus three okay so it is weighted differently it is they're weighted slightly slightly yeah, slightly, but not a whole lot. But yeah, they are slightly. Maybe they just need to do less powerful engrams. Just like cut the powerful engram amount in half. Like, or, you know what I'm saying? From from the other activities, like the flashpoints. Yeah. And like, I think the flashpoint idea is just, I don't 
I really don't. I'm not a fan of the Flashpoint thing. I thought it was they missed the mark on that, in my opinion. They could have done so much more with that, I felt like. And definitely. But, uh, yeah. So I, I want to quickly go over the other uh, items in the Hotfix 2.2.0.2 before we move on to the Bungie weekly update. And um, they also mention a decreased requirement to complete weekly collector bounties for Gambit Prime. In the Reckoning, the glass modifier has been removed and replaced with prism modifier because of some issues with the glass modifier. Uh, they fixed an issue where Dark Age Arsenal Triumph was not unlocking when players won Gambit matches with the full set of armor of Gambit armor equipped for Glory Windstreaks Triumphs. That was also fixed as well. They had a fix for Blade Barrage Super where it was occurring in unintended areas. I'm not sure what that means. They were doing infinite Blade Barrages to get out of air, like areas in the map that you're not supposed to be in. Correct. Basically. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know about this. Okay, so they did fix that. And then finally, they added a new exchange rate where you can uh, turn in five Gambit synths in exchange for a hundred Glimmer. So if you really like to play Gambit and you have a lot of Gambit synths, it's a great way for you to trade them in in exchange for some Glimmer. Five for a hundred, though. Damn, that's... You're not getting a lot of glimmer for that. <laughs> now, well, they did mention last week in the weekly update that the goal was not to create a new system for you to obtain glimmer. It was more for alleviating how sense you were acquiring in the game. And if you think about it, this also kind of shows how broken the system is with vault space and your item management in the game. I think it's very poorly done right now. And... They don't want people to collect like thousand of those because that's why they only stack to twenty and everything. Well, then you know what? Don't give them out as plentifully. Don't give them out as much, and then you won't have that problem. But because they're giving them out in such a large quantity and so frequently that you you fill up, and that's been my problem with with Destiny. From the very beginning, I keep running out of vault space. Vault management and item management drops that I get, it's really, really tough for me to manage. I also really hate the fact that my glimmer is capped at 100,000 or something like that. Well, I mean, it is 75,000 like more than D1. <laughs> so. yeah. I still think it should not be capped, period. It's yeah, an annoyance. It doesn't add anything to the game for you to cap it. It does not make the game better in any way, shape, or form. Period. Let if you anything, sto let have a bank where you can store like more glimmer and be able yeah, to make it so like, you can only have a hundred on your person. Yeah. So, like at the tower, you had to come and like make a withdrawal. Yeah, just like in zombies, where you have to deposit like your money that you get and your points. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah. I, I personally think it shouldn't be capped at all. I think you should have as much glimmer as you have. And don't add extra steps for me to have to go through to get my glimmer. Just let me have it. Make it a simple 
step for me instead of me having to go to the tower this do that it's like what happened with the last season where you have to go and see a to one every single time at every little step oh, of progression rough. to get the uh the frames for the forges and i think it's a stupid way to do it i'm sorry i didn't agree with that i think it's dumb and it doesn't add anything to the game it only takes away from the game and makes grindy and i have to go through an extra step and waste more time when i just want to dive in and play the game right we could literally have a whole episode dedicated to the economy and <laughs> destiny yeah. welcome to the destiny economy podcast <laughs> i like that that's a good idea we should start maybe the editing takes way too much time so i don't know if i can get to that um but yeah, so overall, the hotfix, I mean, eh, you know, it's all right. I, I don't think there was anything too awesome in this hotfix things they fixed. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts on hotfix 2.2.0.2 before we move on to this week at Bungie? Not really. No. Seems like some quality of life improvements and things like that. Agreed. So yeah, so let's move on to the Bungie weekly update. And it literally came out like 20 minutes before the podcast started. So I didn't have too much time to prepare the show notes, but I was able to get it done. And uh, there are quite a few things in this update that Bungie talks about. Week three of Season of the Drifter is now live. We have Legion's Folly map available now. Next week, we will get Emerald's Coast in Gambit. And also... Invitation of the Nine is available each and every Friday, and we do have some new lore with that. Have you guys played the new Invitation of the Nine? Yes. All three times. Every character has done it. Awesome. Now, what is it guys? different on the other two characters? Or No, it's the same, uh, but it does give it a, a pretty meaty power drop. I think it, mine was like plus eight at the end. Hmm. So that's something worth chasing. Hmm. Okay. I played it on one character, and I very much enjoyed it, especially the payoff at the end of it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the quest line for it, and I love, I love the lore. It's so good. Finally, we get to learn about the Nine. What do you guys think of the cutscene that we got? Without spoiling it. It was awesome. It was very cool. I'm trying to think of a way how to word it without spoiling it because there's so much good stuff in there that I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. When Zer comes on Friday, go talk to him. Buy his invitation. Cost yeah. nine legendary shards. You won't regret it. Just do it. It's it's Just awesome. It. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was some of the best content that we've gotten in a really long time. And if you think about it, Bungie hasn't been that great with their cutscenes as of late until now. So I'm very excited to see cutscenes in this season. We didn't really get any cutscenes last season, which I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, but it's it's exciting to learn more about the Nine finally after all of these years. I've been curious about the Nine from the very beginning when we had Trials of the Nine. I'm I'm really excited to see where this story progresses. And isn't it a nine-week thing with uh, invitation of nine in total? Eight so more to go. More yeah, and they said there wouldn't be a cutscene every week, but there are more. Include, you know, we have more <clears throat> cutscenes. Yeah, not they did. Every week. They did confirm it won't be available every week, but there will be more to come. So 
They did talk about that during this week's update. They uh, went on to talk about Iron Banner. They're doing some interesting things with Iron Banner this time around. And uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. They have two new consumables that will be available in the game that affect your gameplay. The first one is called the Iron Burden. And it's intended as a consumable for the best of the best players where your power level will be decreased by 100 to put more focus on skill, strategy, and gunplay. Of course, with a greater risk, you also gain more rewards in the game. And if you are able to achieve 500 kills with this consumable equipped, you will get a curated Wizened Rebuke that will be fully masterworked and it will contain a curated role. Do we know what that role is? They did not specify that. Mm. What would you guys like to see as a curated Wizened Rebuke when we do get that? Let's see, that's a fusion rifle, so probably Rangefinder for one of them. Perks. What's it? Accelerated coils? Kind of like how, uh, was it Pocket Infinity that could do that? Like just blast, 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 like back to back shots? Rangefinder, Rampage, and Accelerated Coils. Oh, now you're talking. That's yeah, a, that would be a really good one. That's a See, winner. That would right be there. the fusion rifle you guys should dip into. Kind of yeah. push the Scourge one away. I'd chase that one instead. Yeah, okay, that's a great idea. What, what if that is the role? <laughs> then uh, we should get our commissions for being psychics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm going to do this like because this is going to change up Iron Banner. You're going to get a reward for doing something different. I'm curious to see how many people are going to bring in their one-eyed mask. <laughs> Even though it did get nerfed quite a bit, but still, that will help to counter the 100 power drop. For sure. You have to do it on one character? Or can you do it across multiple characters? I mean, they, I would guess that you can only do it on one character per consumable, right? I'm going to say it's 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 based on character and not account. And they did also confirm that whatever progression you make from one Iron Banner, it carry over into the next Iron Banner. So if you don't get a chance to finish it the first week, you'll be able to continue the progression Oh, that's very nice. During the next Iron Banner. So that's really nice. That's good. That's that's nice. Yeah. Now, I did mention there were two consumables that we're getting. Before we talk about Wolves' favor, what do you guys think about this new system with Iron Burden? Do you guys like this system of uh, progression and gameplay? Not particularly. I like the, the classic Iron Banner where light level matters. Um, but I think being able to fluctuate that is just kind of like an extra, like a fluff to the grind, I would say. This is going to be for like the PvP, like masters, basically. Yeah. This is for them, basically. I'm not a PvP master, but I consider myself decent at PvP. So I'm going to try this because there's a decent reward at the end of it. Yeah, I'm going to do it because decent reward, I, I don't know how much I like the idea of you're going to have this buff and it's going to make you 100 points weaker. I almost wish there was 
better progression that's more fun than here we're gonna make this super challenging for you but here's a weapon you get at the end so i guess it's, it's all right i i'll have to play it to to see how i like it but just on paper it doesn't sound very exciting besides right. you know getting a wizened rebuke with a really good role it'd be nice to get a new weapon like wizened rebuke is from i want to say vanilla d2 Iron Banner, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, I don't understand one thing about Destiny 2, especially with Iron Banner. Why is it that you can't bring back the weapons that we had in D1 Iron Banner? I mean, you already made those weapons. Why are you pushing the same exact Iron Banner weapons that we had from Vanilla Destiny? We need updates to it. We need new things to, to unlock. And it's unacceptable for them to keep pushing the same freaking weapons that we had from Destiny 2. They're bringing no back exotics, that. but they can't bring, they're not bringing back any legendaries. And it's not they can't, they, they should. Or even like a vendor refresh. But like, is there a it, lore reason that we're just getting exotics? Would it really, would it really hurt? Would it really hurt them to bring back some of the D1 weapons back? If they can't make new ones, bring back some of the awesome ones. No, I agree. I'm just trying to find, figure out, is there a lore reason? Is there something in the lore other than Gaul blew up the tower, blew up all our weapons and everything? Like, do we get the exotics because Zur is around and we can somehow, like, he adds exotics into the world or something like that? Like, is there a lore reason for this? Well, I think I think exotic weapons are tied into the nine more so than Zer, if you think about it, because Zer represents yeah, the nine. Zer is an agent of the nine, though. Yeah. So I mean, he's yeah, he he does have exotics with him, but yeah, yeah. I I would like to see somebody do a video on this, talking about how they're tied into the lore, how exotics and legendaries are how, are tied into the lore, and if we did obviously get all our stuff blown up in D at the beginning of D2. Do we not have access to any of those old legendaries or a way to get them back? Is there a lore reason why we can't get those back? We should hit up uh, My Name is Bife or Mylian Games, but that's a really interesting point that you brought up. Yeah, I'd like to see that video. Yeah, let's see I'll if we can make this credit. happen. I'll give them credit because there are like some of the, the new, like Thorn and Last Word, like. It's not like we just went out in the wild and found them. We had to like essentially recraft them. Um, yeah. So I think that would be a good way to bring in. Like if every exotic they brought had like some kind of like like a mission or I wouldn't say like a full fledged quest every time, but something to kind of defend the reason why they're bringing back returning things, things that we've already paid for. Yeah, because weapons like Telesto, they just dropped. Like yeah. when they brought Telesto back, it just dropped and everything. So. You know, it's whereas Mida was a quest, you know, Thorn was a quest, Last Word was a quest. So, yeah, yeah. So let's let's move on to the next consumable that is being introduced with Iron Banner, and it's called Wolf's Favor. It's targeted to PVE players, and it temporarily grants a one hundred point power increase up to seven hundred. For 30 minutes. It has a chance to drop in limited availability from completing daily and weekly challenges, including daily heroic story missions, 
Vanguard Strikes, Nightfalls, Flashpoints, Gambit for Forsaken Owners, Weekly Milestones from Ikora, and Hawthorne. So that's what Wolf's Favor is. Essentially, it's a buff that increased light level temporarily up to 700, but you're gaining the most benefit if you're at 600 because it's only going to go up to 100. So you're not going to go higher than 700. Right, which I feel counteracts or contradicts Bungie's decision to bring those 640 bounties in that you could do exactly. from the Exactly. My, my thoughts exactly. I agree 100% on that. So I don't know why they kind of doubled down on the light increase like that. And if you're already 700, you're not going to get a light yeah, increase. Yeah, they're pointless. Like, <laughs> you're not going to get a power increase. <laughs> I think the wolf's favor is really weird. And I I don't really see the point of this because again you can get up to 640 just by doing some bounties. So it almost feels like they're trying to allow more players to access tier three, where it's easier for you to do. But at the same time, it it breaks the game if you think about it because the point of of playing really challenging activities, clinical yeah. activities. You can go do Last Wish. You can go do Riven. Because it only takes like 10 minutes. Yeah, so I really don't understand. That's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it personally. I I think this is kind of dumb. And I I don't get it. Yeah, I I, I think this is strange. This is a strange move. I get it. They're trying different things. But I'm lost on this one. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah, I, I just, I'm so baffled by this because I don't think it really adds anything meaningful to the game. It, it almost breaks the progression, if anything else, and it ruins the experience. Because think about it, if you're at 600 and you have never played Tier 1 or Tier 2 of The Reckoning, so does that mean now you can go into Tier 3 without playing Tier 1 or 2? Well, you gotta <laughs> it, play the stuff to get it. Like you have Texas to play. Strikes, you ball. have to play the same crap that we've been playing for the last two years. Vanguard strikes that we don't have any new ones of. Nightfalls, same story. Flashpoints, same boring stuff. Gambit is fun, and weekly milestones. Did they say how you're gonna get the Iron Burden one? Is it the same or? Ah, uh, let's take a look here. You'll be able to buy it from Lord Saladin. Saladin, yeah, okay. Saladin will be offering the Iron Burden consumable for five Iron Banner tokens. Okay, I see it. Yep. Okay, so that's how you get that. So it's it's just going to be something that you buy, but the Wolf's Favor, you essentially have to grind out all of the weeklies in order to possibly get it. Yeah. But again, I, I just, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Because if you're a hardcore player of the game, if you play the game a lot, you're going to reach that light level regardless and i mean in most cases we're at least 650 and at 650 you're able to play all of the new activities so if anything i think that what they're doing is they're devaluing tier one two and three of the reckoning by implementing this change because it's it's not going to really affect last wish players or scourge of the past uh players it's only really going to affect the people who are trying to go into tier three of the forge and it's funny that you immediately went right to that and you thought right of that so it's like if you're already thinking of that you know people are already gonna Mm -hmm. do this 
and everything. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll just have to see it, I guess. You know, we'll have to see what becomes of it. <laughs> yeah, I've spent the past week and a yeah. half pushing my light level up just to get to 690. And if all people have to do is wait until Tuesday and they can just get into tier three reckoning after while well, I've been putting two weeks of work in, that's just kind of devalue all the, the things that I've done, all the activities yeah. I've accomplished. Now, this is only going to drop during the Iron Banner while the Iron Banner is active, right? I'm guessing. Yes. It would like, break the game even further if they would drop, like, when the Iron Banner is gone and everything. Yeah, what players could do is they could just hoard them. I don't yes. know if there's a limit that they could carry, maybe like five or so. I don't oh, know. people are going to find ways. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, get ready for the, the new cheese. <laughs> It's yeah. coming. Now, also with uh, this week at Bungie, we have an update to bounties. Bungie is hoping to provide more choice to address some of the feedback that the community has offered. So now bounties grant powerful rewards upon completion, and they unlock the ability to direct purchase specific rewards from Lord Saladin. If you complete all of the weekly bounties for the week, we'll get something called the Weight of the Guild Emblem that is obtainable, again, by completing all of the weekly bounties. And this special emblem will track higher power opponents defeated while the Iron Burden is active. I mean, that's kind of cool, depending on what the emblem looks like, I guess. But again... That's not enough. Uh, I want more than just an emblem. An emblem doesn't really excite me. So just to get an emblem, that's not enough. I think we need more than that. Also, Orwing's Maul, I probably butchered the name. It will be dropping with random rolls, and it will drop from match completions in the Iron Banner and from token packages. Which weapon was that? That's the, a grenade launcher, I believe. The grenade launcher, the Orwing's Maul. Yeah, I think that's the grenade launcher from Forsaken, maybe? Or it could have been before that. It wasn't with the first Iron Banner in D2. It was with the second when they introduced the new sets of weapons, which they haven't done since then, unfortunately. <laughs> so. And you know what, guys? Personally, for me, the Iron Banner weapons in D2 were near as good as what they were in Destiny 1, in my <laughs> opinion. By far, way better in Destiny 1. Which, which again, right. is my problem. Pushing these crappy weapons. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be salty. But this is just not good. I don't like this idea at all. Iron Banner needs a complete overhaul, I feel like. Yeah. it's The weapons need to go. All of them need to go back to the workbench. Yeah. I would rather have seen Trails of Osiris come back than Iron Banner. Because I think Iron Banner needs more retuning than Trials of Osiris did when they just removed it from the game. So that's my salt for the day. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Siva, are you going to grind out to get a good roll on that? Well, probably not. I do plan on chasing the um, Wizened Rebuke, though, the Fusion Rifle. I'll probably go for that. Um, I'm just not Same. a grenade launcher guy. Same. I'm going to say Edge Transit really burnt me out. <laughs> Those burnt Edge Transits, I tell you. Uh, burnt Edge Transit. Transit. Uh, while we're on Iron Banner, I had a, one question 
with I don't know if it says anything about where you have to for that emblem the weight of the guild uh, you have to complete all the weekly bounties. Can you mix and match that on different characters, or do you have to wipe the board on a single character to get that emblem? That's interesting. That's my only question. I believe it's it's character based because they require for you to complete all of the weekly bounties. So I'm assuming it's it's character based. I would think that it's character based, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and once you complete all of the weeklies, you get access to that. I I'm gonna do that, but again, at the same time, after I'm done with that, what's the point of playing Iron Banner? So I play it for a week, and then that's it. I'm done for the season until two and a half months from now, and that's my problem. Maybe with... they'll have a new weapon each time. Not a new weapon. <laughs> <laughs> A uh, curated weapon from the other. I'm really surprised they haven't done away with the token system. They did away with all the planets just Everywhere because players else. would hoard them. Yeah, people would hoard them, and that's what I did last season and the season before with Iron Banner. I barely had to play any uh, games before I got the whole brand new set. I just turned in a bunch of tokens and got lucky. Is it safe to yeah. say that when this whatever content we're getting in the fall? Is it going to be like? Are we going to see a lot of changes? I hope. I so. hope so. Really hope so. Hopefully, Bungie can stretch their legs, take the reins, and see what they can do without a uh, Activision supervision. Yeah, I know they just they had to work with what they had, and mm-hmm. you know, there's they don't want to unveil everything that they're doing, their plans, what they're doing for the fall yet. I mean, that's saved for E3 probably. I mean, let's be honest. We'll hopefully see Bungie at E3, and in some fashion. Obviously, not on PlayStation stage because ah, PlayStation's not going to be there. <laughs> hopefully, with a kick-ass trailer to show us. I remember the yeah. Rise of Iron launch trailer, and I was so hyped for that. I miss those live-action shoots that they would do. Yeah, I love the live-action trailers. They're they're really cool. Absolutely, I'm 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 a sucker for those for sure. Yeah, I agree on that. So let's let's talk about enhancement cores. This has been a pretty big topic in the Destiny community as of late. So much that Bungie mentioned that they were making changes to it a couple days ago. I think uh, DMG went on Twitter and said, "Hey, we're going to be talking about this in the weekly update." And this is what the developers say about the future of enhancement cores. First, the goal of infusion is to create an impactful feeling of progression when you increase the power of an item you enjoy using. An infusion system with no scarcity around the materials would diminish this impact. To that end, we tapped into a material with inherent uh, scarceness enhancement cores to use as one of the key materials for this process. Secondly, that is the goal of the infusion system, but if the overall system is causing a negative experience, we want to work to improve it. We're constantly monitoring the experience it has on the gear usage. We keep a close eye on the amount of infusion versus how many are being used and will continue to make adjustments as needed. Thirdly, to that end, we'll be making a change in Season of the Opulence with the goal of providing more access to enhancement cores. Scrapper bounties previously dropped randomly when dismantling gear. There was no reliable way to earn enhancement cores using these bounties, and we didn't feel they were providing enough material. 
We will be deprecating these bounties at the start of Season 7. In their place, the gunsmith will now offer a selection of daily and weekly bounties that can be purchased for gunsmith materials. As with the scrapper bounties, each of these will include, among other things, an enhancement core as a reward when completed. Finally, our hope is that this increased access and control over enhancement core acquisition will help improve the balance of materials being used versus materials being earned. As always, we'll be continuing to monitor this item economy along with your feedback to access its effectiveness. So, this is what Bungie stated about enhancement cores and the future systems that are being introduced with Season of the Opulence. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? Sounds like they don't want to take enhancement cores out of Infusion. No. They they feel like it's a risk-reward kind of thing to do to do that. You're, you're risking the enhancement cores to upgrade your gear, so there's some choice and in the matter there there there's a there's a direct like they said there was an impact to it an impact they're trying to create an impactful feeling of the progression i just don't think they offer enough avenues for enhancement cores and the fact that they said when they changed those bounties to gunsmith it's going to reward an enhancement core one a singular one per bounty that's still not enough yeah, I agree. I think that the infusion methods in the game are, are not very good, and I just don't like the idea of enhancement cores altogether. I think that for raid items, you should have radiant shards, for example, that are rewarded to you after you complete any activity in the raid. To me, that system felt a lot more meaningful in the progression system overall and and i think that after that was removed it was no longer really meaningful or impactful you know i would like to see them locking cores behind let's say a nightfall if you do a nightfall the boss drops x amount of cores for you like how they do 100 coins if you do 100k nightfall get more of them like they used to do with etheric light in d1 how about this separate enhancement cores from raid materials so if you're upgrading raid items you have to use a separate material that you're only getting from the raid i think that creates more meaning behind the activities that we're grinding yeah yeah i mean i feel like they can do better than what this is proposing this is just it's a stopgap. i feel you know it it's just not enough I'm not saying to take enhancement cores out of infusion because obviously they want to, like they said, have a meaningful choice for you to upgrade your gear. But I kind of agree with Corn. You know, when D1, when we had to get radiant shards and we had to get ascended shards to upgrade our armor and stuff, you had to go play the raid and everything to upgrade that gear. I kind of liked that because there was a reason to play the raid <laughs> after feel like you've gotten all your weapons and stuff but then it was time to upgrade your gear so you could increase your light and everything yeah think about this if you don't really care about the power level grind which is more meaningless now because of the wolf's favor that's being introduced in my opinion 
there's no reason for you to play the Last Wish raid if you got all of the weapons from it. Besides, if you don't have the Thousand Voices, in that case, you put in the Wish, you play the Riven Encounter, and you're done. Yep. If we had Radiant Shards that were being offered from various activities throughout the raid, people would play them more. Period. There would be more meaning behind it. And uh, I think it was a system in Destiny 1 wasn't broken and i don't understand why they changed it but that's just my opinion yeah they got to strike a balance they got to find a happy medium and everything you know and it's trying to not alienate those players like that they brought in with destiny 2 in the beginning those casuals and everything that activision was catering to and everything bungie activision i guess i can't just leave bungie out of it (laughs) include them they did make the game you know so yeah so before we move on to the next topic i do want to mention a few interesting statistics from the agents quest that was provided by bungie for the account level side 74.9 percent of guardians sided with the drifter versus 25 percent that sided with the vanguard and on a character level 69.9% 69.9% sided with Drifter and 30% sided with the Vanguard. So I, I found this uh, statistic pretty interesting. I did not expect for so many side with the Drifter versus the Vanguard. Uh, so it's really interesting uh, to see this. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people want to, you know, go with the bad guy. But is he really the bad guy? I yeah. think enough people have looked at the lore and can formulate an opinion again there could be shades of gray he could be a wolf in sheep's clothing for all we know so yeah it's interesting to see you're really it seems like we're going to get more chunks of this lore as we go along as we do the invitations of the nine because how the drifter is tied to the nine Mm -hmm. so yeah definitely now we have a tradition on the show where we rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls (laughs) <laughs> and this week will be no different. So in the Destiny Show podcast traditional form, we will rate the weekly update in the spicy tuna roll between one and five. Shadow Price, you want to kick things off today? Two. This gets a two for me, man. There's some not... I was... I didn't like some of the things in this weekly update. The whole thing with the enhancement cores... The things they added with the Iron Banner stuff, like the Wolf's Favor thing was just, I don't know. I just, who are they, what are they trying to do? (laughs) They're trying to give you that quick burst of power to go in and cheese some encounters, basically, because you have a false sense of power and everything that you're only going to have for 30 minutes. What was it? The Iron Burden one was pretty cool. I'm going to go after that roll just because it's, I don't know why, but it might be interesting. But yeah, too, man. I'm just, I didn't like everything I heard in this update. Yeah. I was thinking the same. I'm going to go for a two as well. Some downers for yeah. sure. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a one because I really don't think there was anything in this update that makes the game better. They pretty much reminded us that they mentioned that invitation of the nine will not have cuts every week it's it's it almost sounds like there's going to be maybe one or two which i mean that's cool that's better than what we got in the past but the iron banner changes 
I don't like them at all. I don't like the Iron Banner changes. I don't like the enhancement changes. And I feel like this update didn't offer anything that would make me want to play the game more. So I, I was pretty disappointed. I would give it a one out of five spicy tuna rolls. I'll say my biggest turnoff from this is the uh, the power changes. Like after your 690, you're only getting plus one increases. Yeah, it's like for everyone. It's tedious. But I play this game like it's the second job. I play it religiously. And I feel like if I'm putting in that much time, I should be rewarded for that. It almost feels like an artificial stopgap for reason whatsoever. So yeah. it's like whatever I'm playing, whether I'm playing The Last Wish Raid, whether I'm playing Scourge of the Past, whatever I'm doing, I'm getting a plus one level increase. Right. It's like making sense. Time gate it. I feel <laughs> like all the stuff in this season, other than the lore and stuff like that, because that's been great on point, are stopgaps to get us, you know, through the like the annual pass. And it's like, ah. Uh, it's frustrating, and I can see why some people want to give it a lower score when they're going to review it, because I guess they're basing it on some of those aspects. So, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I, I like this season overall, but hearing this, it, it is putting a damper on it, and it, it's making me want to play less. Honestly, I, I'm not excited for Iron Banner. I will play Iron Banner that week. I'll grind out my 500 kills with the Iron Burden to get the Wizened Rebuke. But after that, I think it might be time to check out some other games. Because there's, there's just not enough here, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah. And we're going to move on to RNG and Power Level in Destiny. What do you guys think about the current state of Destiny relating to RNG and the drops that we get in the game? Honestly, it's what keeps me coming back. The fact that once my, my main reasons for playing is to reach max light is my first on the checklist. And then to obtain all the exotics. Like right now, I haven't gotten a single one of the new ones, like any of the three gauntlets that have uh, been added in this most recent update. And that's really what keeps me uh, doing my milestones. Like I usually don't play Crucible or Gambit, but I'm going into those just in hopes that I'll get it to drop. I usually don't do the spider bounties, but I'm doing it because I'm hoping to get one of those exotics to drop, also chasing the power. So I like I like having RNG in the game. I think it's in a good state. Yeah, I agree. I, I like having the RNG in the game as well because again, it just it's a it's a thing to chase and you know getting those new drops. I have gotten two of those new gauntlets actually. Oh, um, I got on my warlock and my hunter, and I love the one that I have on my hunter. The I cannot remember the name of it. <laughs> um, it's got blades on the end of it, and <laughs> it's oh, it's so it's so good. It's for the arc. You have to use the arc subclass. It is called the Liar's Handshake, and it's amazing. Like you can literally stand next to a boss and punch the crap out of him because he can't. He you get to stun him. You stun them when you hit them with it. Like like full bosses. Yeah, full bosses. Yeah. Like a big-ass ogre. <laughs> oh, I was thinking more like um, like primevals or like raid bosses. I don't think it would work on them. Well. Uh, I've done it on primevals, actually. Oh, not the really ones good. that are not the ones that are shielded. Like, you know, not like the Gambit Prime one. You obviously have to stand in the, you know, the, the buff. 
and everything for that. Um, I have not. I I haven't tried it on Gambit, a regular Gambit boss yet, but I've tried it on like a lots of majors and things like. Oh no, I tried it on um the boss of uh, the arms dealer strike, and I was able to stand right on top of him and punch the crap out of him <laughs> until he died. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it works as long as they can't like uber stomp you. I mean, he can stomp you, but if you keep stunning him. He doesn't have a chance to stomp you. So, yeah, I like it. My RNG is actually really good right now in the game. Yeah, and I I agree with you guys. I think RNG is an important aspect of Destiny, and the last thing that I would want is for the game to have a system that predicts what you don't have and then automatically it rewards you with that item. I think it's going to remove a lot of depth from playing the game. And it's going to make it feel a lot less special. Like, remember when we first got our Gallerhorns? That felt really special. Unless you bought it on week two, which that's a whole other story. Right. But otherwise, it's a special thing when you finally get that drop. Even if it takes you 30, 40, 50 raids to get that pinnacle weapon. Let me, let me give you an example. I have played... I believe it's at... I'm at 40 last wish raids i do not have a thousand voices i have not gotten it to drop for me now when it does drop i'm gonna be really excited about it but i don't think that the answer is to add some type of a protection where the next time i'll be more likely to get it when I play the raid, because it, it devalues Agreed. playing those raids. It feels like you didn't really earn it. Like they just yeah, like they, they handed it to you. Yeah. yeah, and I think that there are certain activities that you can play if you're a casual player and you don't want to do the grind to get a specific weapon. Then you know what? You won't get thousand voices if you're not willing to put in the time required to get it. Some you gotta be in it, it to win it. Exactly, so. and some people are going to get it on their first run. Other people are going to get it on their twenty fifth run, and yeah, that's fine. Guy in my clan, he's he did sixty. It took him sixty last wish clears, and since he got it, he hasn't gone back. There's really no reason to now. He'd like yeah. he just drained all of his desire to really do that raid. And then I did a last wish, I think yesterday or the day before, and with a first timer, and he got it like right away. So it's just crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I got it on my second try. That's still so, pretty good, though. Yeah. It's... I guess I'm just good at picking the chests. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just really lucky. At yeah. this point, I would probably advise that you go to a casino and, you know, drop some money and play. Because with your luck, you'll win. <laughs> you have had the best luck in this game. Yeah, it's... The it's last couple seasons. <laughs> It's been tenfold better than it was in D1 because my my RNG in D1 was terrible. <laughs> it was dreadful, <laughs> but it's so much. It's a lot better in D2. You know, I I mean, and I I kind of like it in between. I guess the happy medium. Now, what do you guys think about Tier Three Reckoning being locked behind a 680 power level? Good, I love it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Which I'm going to be, you know, we're, it's going to be kind of annoying the fact that people are going to be able to use those buffs and just be able to hop right in there. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I just like that Bungie added that added that in because you wouldn't want to solo queue into a like a six ninety activity and there's oh uh like Captain Blueberry running around at like six fifty eight power level. That's, totally a great, that's a great that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great yeah. point. So I like that they have yeah. that entrance fee that you have to make the cut for. Um yeah, and you gotta like build your light up to get in there. You actually right. you know, just like playing a raid, like when you have to power level to get into a raid, like day one or day three, whenever that's you know introduced. And I, I do know that some community members in Destiny they were pretty upset about the lockout being at six eighty. I completely disagree with those individuals. I will not name names, <laughs> but I. I think that it's smart for them to lock the activity behind the 680 power level because, yeah, you're you're matching up with random people, and I don't want to be matched up with somebody who is 670 or 675, right? Who's underleveled, and if you're not ready for the activity, then get good, keep playing, yeah. Eventually, because it's you'll a get 690 there. activity. Yeah. I'm guessing those and, nights are 700. And so. here's the thing: this season is not something that we're supposed to complete when the event launches. In fact, there's no expectation set that the day that the, the activity's out, that everybody's going to get a chance to play it. Most people probably wouldn't, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Unless you're hardcore and you want to go for it. And if you're hardcore and you want to do it, by all means do it. But you probably won't have as much fun no-lifing the game. Simple as that. So 680 power light behind tier three. I think it's a great thing. I don't think they need to change it in any way. I think that was perfect. The only thing I'm a little salty about is the buff that everybody will be able to obtain with the wolf's favor, which makes zero sense to me, but it is what it is. Now, what do you guys think of the power level progression in the game as it is currently? Do you guys like the way that it is right now where you go from 650 to 700? Obviously, next season we'll go up to 750 from 700. What are your thoughts on the current system with light level progression as it exists today? I like the system as it is, um, but just this season in particular, it feels really irrelevant. I think the only reason that you would really even need to be 700 is if you wanted to do tier three reckoning. That's really about it. Anything else that you could do doesn't really need more than 650 light. I've been saying this. I since agree. Day one. Take the light out of the weapons and tie it to the gear and everything more. Isn't Make that what they had in Destiny 1 vanilla? Yes. And go out and get those goddamn Ascendant Shards. <laughs> Level up your gear. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah. I think I think D1 had a more meaningful attempt at it. And it was like it was more rewarding. And it just it'd be nice to have more horizontal progression and everything. And the most important takeaway from this is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think that over the course of the last four or five years that Bungie has been making Destiny, I don't think they've been following that model completely. I think they've been making changes that are not really necessary. 
You know, like, oh, Gaul just deleted all of our stuff. Why? What? Why? Why can't I have the emotes that I had in D1? That Why I can't I have my Swiss it? bank vault account like somewhere else? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't get it. If if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I, I, I think they missed the boat with this, and, and I, I, I do agree with Shadow Price on this. Here was the problem in, in D1. Like, it wasn't the whole fact that, you know, like, you had to go out and get the shards and things like that for your armor, and they had the light out of the weapons. It was just more towards, you know, the effectiveness of that weapon. It wasn't tied in to your overall light. Um, I think that it's the it's the drops. How stingy they were in D1. Remember how stingy they were in vanilla? Like, you got a legendary maybe once a week, if you were lucky, and everything. They were so stingy with the drops and everything. You know, and, and that needed tweaking, because you're not going to go out and play all those hours just to get one legendary a week. Right, and you remember getting a legendary Ingram, taking it to the Cryptarch and opening it, and getting a blue Get, weapon. Blue. <laughs> getting a yes. blue weapon from that. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. Oh yeah, remember that corn? Yep, <laughs> wasn't fun. And that's the part they needed fixing. They fixed that, but I wish they would have done kept the weapon thing separately, like you know, from the gear. And you just level up that gear and everything. You had to go out and play the raids, and it was more meaningful and everything and then you still were chasing that pinnacle those pinnacle drops like in the raid like vex mythic class and things like that but and then and the other weapons and, you know they were random rolls and we got the random rolls back but i just i just still think it was a better system of vanilla d1 take the light out of the weapons over the out of the overall light yeah i agree <clears throat> i agree with that so yeah, so I, I really hope they introduce some better changes to the power level system to make it a little bit more meaningful because right now it's it's broken and it's becoming even more broken with some of the changes that were outlined in the weekly update this week. So I really hope they, you know, do some different things that make the game better and more meaningful like how it was in D1. Uh, but yeah, but let's let's move on to giving our impressions of Season of the Drifter. We have Tier 3 Reckoning that just um, launched this past week. We also have the Allegiance Quest that we now had a chance to play through. And also, hopefully you guys got a chance to get the Thorn. And that was another quest that recently opened up in the new Season of the Drifter. So I'm curious, what do you guys think about Tier 3 Reckoning? I like it. It's it's challenging. you got to have a good team composition in there. Otherwise, uh, you, it's going to be a little rough. I've been working on my light level still. Um, ever since the update, to get you to 690 faster, like I felt that, and that was helpful to get me up there. Um, but I just crossed like into the 690s on all my characters like yesterday or the day before. I'm really You're hotter than me, brother. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't stepped into it yet. I don't want. I don't like going into activities under leveled. You're gonna be I'm good. Gonna, I'd rather put it in time. You're gonna up. be good. I mean, that's what I'm beat, hoping. I beat it my first time. I beat it with I was 681. So and then I was with, with a good group. We we ran it and did it like four to five times in a row. Um, and that's the thing is if you get with good people, it's not bad. But right. 
if you get with people who do not understand what they're doing and can't control the bridge, it's ooh, it's gonna be rough. <laughs> I think the bridge part is kind of fun, especially if everybody has you know the appropriate loadouts. Um, as long as you have a well of radiance and you have hunters who can spam tethers, I think you're good with that Double encounter. Are good too. Yeah. 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 So I I enjoy tier three. But at the same time, I do think it's way too similar to tier two. And I kind of expected something different for the final tier of the encounter. I, I expected a, a difference in bosses. And also I, I expected to have a different sandbox that we're playing this activity within. Kind of like what we had with the forges. With the forges during last season, every forge was in a different location. It felt somewhat different. And I feel like with the Reckoning, both three tiers feel a little too samey for me. I don't think we're done with the Reckoning. I think tier three is not the end because isn't there a fourth slot on that that, uh, bank? There's four slots, I believe. I'm not sure. I'm not certain. So... uh... I'm pretty I sure there is. I think that. there's four slots on that bank. So there's four slots, yeah, but maybe it's just to keep the aesthetic of the bank itself intact instead of like cutting it into a triangle. You don't think that they're going to introduce something secret, super secret, like somebody's going to like do something. We're going to do something in the game, and it's going to unlock the pro tier or whatever they call. it. The only thing I can think of is if like for like some like. Hardcore tier four is if it gave the like tier. If it gave like masterworked versions of the armor, the ascendant tier. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a good farming. You can farm for the weapons. That's what's really cool about it. I do like that. That's yeah. a cool uh, little touch. It's a good farm. I I just wish that there was more longevity after you got those weapons and after you got those drops because I almost feel like. Once you get the drops you want from that activity, you'll never come back to it. It's going to be just like playing, um, what was it? The Forges. Archon's or, Forge. The um, Archon's Forge. Or uh, Port of Oryx. Activity during, um, Port of Oryx. Well, I think Archon's there was a little Forge, bit more with Prison of Elders. Blindwell. All, all the little things, yeah. all, the, all the things that they've done to do like a, you know, a horde remote light. It feels more like Escalation Protocol to me. Because it's something you'll play, you'll get the drops from it, and then you're done. And I I wish there was more depth to it, honestly. Where it felt like we're going to continue playing this activity for more than just two, three weeks until we get our drops. I think it's the closest thing they could have done just to, like, basically tell the story of the Drifter without having to do too much. Something that was maintainable for them so they can hopefully create some awesome stuff in the fall that's what i'm hoping i don't know yeah definitely You're saying like they took like a like an easy lap this round around the track so they can go full out on the next race that's what i'm thinking because it's oh, gotcha. an annual pass it's it's just additional content it's they're not like exactly they're, yeah they're they're building they said that they're building up the muscle that it takes to like, you know, create some really, hopefully awesome 
ongoing content and things like that. I mean, this is obviously going to live in this season and, you know, I mean, it'll be relevant for people who haven't done it. Like say people just pick up the annual pass. I mean, then it'll be relevant for those people and everything probably, but it'll stay in that power cap though. Right. It'll stay between the 650 and 700. Like once we go on the season of opulence, like that stuff's going to be irrelevant for us. Unless they do like a second annual pass type of deal. Yeah. Which yeah. knocks Activision out. They might need that extra income. Yeah. I just really hope that in us getting less content now, that it's going to equate to a significant boost in content coming this fall. Right. Because if it does not mean that, I think the game is going to have a really difficult time maintaining its player base, especially with the competition that is out now and coming out in the near future. Mm-hmm. Borderlands 3 is coming out. We know that. It's been seven years. We know that Halo, the Master Chief Collection, is coming to the PC. Halo Reach is getting remastered. We know that uh, Bethesda is working on a first-person shooter. I want to say it's called Star Starchild. Starfield. Starfield, excuse me. So there's a lot happening in the video game space. And that's on top of the games that are already out between Anthem, between The Division 2, and uh, Apex Legends. Yeah, Starfield's going to be Bethesda's crack at the Destiny model. And also think about this. Crucible players have very little reason to keep playing this right now. Oh, they're suffering right now. (laughs) Let me put it this way. If you do not like PvE, if you do not like Gambit, then you kind of got screwed with this expansion, with this uh, content. Because there's really nothing new for Crucible players. I think Crucible is in the worst place that it's ever been in the game and bungie is not doing anything to address this we have not had a new crucible map we have not had a new crucible map since september i fully agree with that that. unacceptable yeah it's outrageous yeah that and that that that's a that's definitely kind of a egg on their face right now and it's definitely the black eye it's the black sheep crucible is definitely the black sheep of destiny right now Mm-hmm. And here's why it's such a big problem. After you beat the raid, after you get your pinnacle drops from all of the PVE activities, what's left? Well, Crucible. And if That's there's what no kept me going to... in D1. Exactly. Me... But there's nothing to really keep you going this season unless you're grinding out to get the seals. And even then, a lot of it is kind of hidden behind RNG that's completely out of your control. Exactly. Like, take the Dredgen title, for example. I'm grinding out for my Dredgen title. Now, I'm almost done with all of the different triumphs that I have to do, but I haven't collected all of the items from it. I haven't gotten all of the drops from the Meatball boss, and I feel like if I did everything else and that's the only thing that's left, it's kind of crappy. And it's not making me want to keep playing and grinding. It's not a fun experience to continue to play the Meatball boss whenever it may drop in one out of 20 chances, and then maybe I'll get the drop that I want. Or not even want, but need in order to get the title. I think that's dumb. Yeah, that's, they, they've they got to infuse the Crucible like with more maps, 
let us select more game modes. Get bring some more game modes and let us select them. You know, <laughs> like they're making attempts at it because they have like different. It's not just quick play and competitive now. They actually have, you know, they have yeah they have competitive and quick play, but then they have rumble, which is full time, and they have the other weekly rotating lockdown one. now, isn't it? Lockdown, lockdown. yeah. But we just need more. We need more choices. They, I've been seeing a lot of people cre- screaming they want Rift back. Rift was so fun. Yeah, I, I'll take Rift. I would take Rift actually back because I think that would be a lot of fun to have in D two. Um, and I think I think we need Trials back. Yeah, we do. I Maybe like in the meantime, like combined arms, like that could. Oh yeah, yeah. I I've been. I've been screaming that from the rooftops. <laughs> Combined arms. Absolutely. One hundo. It just I... there needs to be more varied gameplay, some more things to do. They gotta bring the fun back. Like, yeah, it's 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 still kind of fun, but it could be so much more fun. You know, they they've gotta bring more engaging things back to the game and everything. And hopefully I'm really hoping they're doing that in the fall. Like, I hope that it's a new, I don't know, a, a new vision for them that will let them create content at a faster rate, but, you know, more engaging content. You know, some of the things we talked about and everything. So an evolution of faction rallies, faction wars. Make it like the clan wars from freaking, like, uh, Call of Duty. That was amazing. Me and Corin both agree on that. Definitely. Definitely. So to wrap up the conversation about Season of the Drifter, what do you guys think of the Thorn Quest? It's not too bad. It's a little easier than D1's. Oh, much Quest. easier than D1. It's, I remember spending, like, I think like two months, because I'm not a huge Crucible guy, just slowly chipping away at it, like gaining progress, losing progress. That was a huge detriment, I think, to the... That losing yeah. progress hurt. Yeah, that hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And think about in the beginning where you're just starting and you have very little weapons that especially let alone any void weapons. Yeah, Atheon's epilogue and word of Crota. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> even before that, if you didn't have, there was no void like hand cannons or anything like that. You know, you had like, like you said, Atheon's epilogue, you had that. And then if you could track down or you, you try to Upratus revenge, or, you know, like some random fusion rifle, blue fusion rifle or something mm-hmm. that had void on it. You know, like I think I had like a 77 wizard that had void on it or something that I used for it. But I, think I remember using like corrective measure too. Oh, yeah, corrective measure. But you were screwed if you were on a hunter as far as like your subclass went right. because before the taking came, void subclass. you didn't have a void subclass. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and they retired that that exotic bounty though when Tank King came out so it didn't matter you know so you literally had to your best chance was doing it on a warlock where you had the nova bomb and everything so and then you couldn't really do shit on the, on the titan either because you had the bubble but as so. for like the d2 version of thorn i'll kind of swing it back in i do like that bungie gives you different avenues of play uh, you can either do quick play, which gives you a little bit less progress, but it's not generally as sweaty. Or you can go into the competitive mode, try go against like harder teams, but you're getting rewarded for that. You get more progress towards it. 
I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice that they gave the options for that. Yeah, it, it's a bit less grindy. Uh, I think that the Thorn quest was kind of like short and sweet. It took it did, it took me about a day to get it done. And I really enjoy using the Thorn. It's a really nice weapon and it's nice that they brought it back into the game. So I I do enjoy this quest line. Also, I think that uh, there was quite a bit of controversy around the lore that you had to grind out to get for the thorn. I think you had to get like 500 thorn kills or something like that in order to get the lore for the uh, weapon, which I I didn't mind it. Is that... I didn't even know that was a thing. That's a thing? So <laughs> yeah. once you get Thorn, you have to get 500 kills with Thorn to get the lore? Yeah, and then you get, sure. you, get a, you get a lore book for it as well. Yep. Oh. Is, it, can you, is that to do PvP kills or PvE? PvP. Uh, that's oh, they have to be PvP kills. Yes, oh. PvP kills. Yep. Well, I guess I gotta... So it, it just place. adds an extra layer to it, and you know it gives you a reason to grind. I do wish that we got a little bit more than just a lore book. I wish we maybe got a skin for it. I was going to say that ornament. That like, there is an ornament, an ornament in the database. Too. There is an ornament in the database. It just hasn't, they haven't dropped it yet. They're probably going to bring it in during um, the revelry, probably. So. And let me guess, the way you acquire it is by direct purchase. from uh, Right? Yep. There's another thing that grinds my gears. So, so oh. instead of putting it behind, you know, gameplay, they're putting it behind a paywall, which that hasn't been confirmed yet. Just speculation, but that's what I think they will do. And I, think I, it's, it's I been really hope mind. that's. Not I think true. it's it's going to be just like the well, what was it? The whisper. <laughs> the only way you can get those whisper ornaments is through that. Same thing with the Thunderlord ones too. Yeah. 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 And I don't mind the way they did the Whisper mission because the Whisper mission was completely free. It was excellent. And I guess the Thunderlord one there was, was too, a reason... but the Thorn is not free. No. That the is thorn... behind the de- the thorn that is, is behind the annual pass. Right. So I think for the Thorn, it would have been nice if we got that ornament as part of this uh completion. With yeah, like a thing after you got the weapon, there's something you have to do that's tied, you know, like a quest yeah. on top of it. You know, I think I think just giving you lore books behind it is kind of lazy, and I think it doesn't do enough. And especially if they have an ornament for the thorn, but they hold it back for a paid piece of content on top of what you're already paying, that's crappy. Don't agree with it. Yeah, but it'd be we'll, nice if you we'll could see. wait to get it in game without having yeah. to purchase it. Earning through gameplay would be nice, but at the end of the day, like it is just a cosmetic. It has no real effect on the gameplay. It's just it just is a thing that looks cool. So that's where I can stand with that. Yeah. yeah, and I mean they have a lot of like things that aren't, you know, tied to the lore that are in Eververse, you know, a lot of silly look emotes and things like that, you know. I guess mm-hmm. and that's fine because it's it is cosmetic, you know, so it's... Yeah, I think ornaments for exotics should be, you know, put behind gameplay, not purchase. Because it just gives you another reason to grind out the game. If you think something looks cool, you're going to play the game more. It's going to give you more of a reason to play the game, which should be more important than 
oh, give us five bucks or seven bucks for a skin. Just like Overwatch, just like Fortnite, just like Apex. You're playing the game and you're getting that cool cosmetic. Yeah, I agree. So let's let's move on to the final topic of the night, and that is Google Stadia. And it is Google's answer to a streaming console hybrid device, I guess. It's not really a console. It's Google's game streaming platform that is promising to offer us 4K resolution at 60 frames. And you'll be able to play various AAA games across all platforms, whether you have a tablet, whether you have a a computer that's not really powerful, whether you have a really strong graphics card or not, you'll be able to play games through streaming. And Google's aim is to deliver playable games with no console, no downloads, and no wait. What do you guys think about Google Stadia as a platform? The idea is novel and everything. And it's, you know, it's cool that, you know, you don't have to wait. You can get right into the game. That's revolutionary, basically. There's no, like, downloading or anything like that. They say 4K60, right? That's when it leaves the data center. You think that thing's going to be 4K60 when it hits your TV? It's going to be so reliant on your on your internet, basically. That's a very niche demographic that they're catering to. Because if you're living out in the middle of nowhere, you're going to get, like, Maybe 1080p, 30 frames per second. Yeah, and they're with with drops probably. Yeah, and bu- like buffering and like loading barriers and stuff. They are advertising that if you have internet speeds of 25 megabytes per second, you will be able to enjoy games at 1080p and 60 frames. And then if you have 30 megabyte or faster internet, you'll be able to play the games in 4K. Not 60, you'd have to probably have like, probably up to like, you're probably, I don't know exactly how much, but you would probably have to have at least 50 and above, maybe 60 or 70 to play 4K 60, right? Yeah. And not only that, but you'll need a constant connection. It's, it's, it's okay if you're reaching, you know, 50 megs, but if it's yeah. not totally stable, then I, I could see your experience being less than perfect with this. It sounds like it's going to be really dependent on your internet. Like if you don't have like great internet, this is pretty much just going to be, it should be a pass for you. Yeah, I agree. I think that there are pros and cons to this. I think that the benefit is that, you know, you will not have to have powerful hardware to play games, which will make video games more accessible to more people, which I think is always a good thing. The other benefit is that you will not have to purchase a $500 piece of hardware in order to play games like what you have to spend for an Xbox One X. Um, And I'm sure the next generation consoles with Gen 9, they're not going to be very cheap from Xbox and PlayStation. So I just had a thought. With this, I wonder if Google is going to use this to somehow bundle or use it to help promote Google Fiber. Saying if you go to if you don't have great internet, oh look, we also have an internet service that we could offer you that would be great with our streaming platform. I wonder if That's that was what point. what their their intentions could be. Yeah, and Google has Google Fiber in in quite a few markets, and they're giving out like one 
terabyte yeah, per second. Phenomenal downloads and uploads. No, no, I'm sorry, not one terabyte. Gigabit internet. Where where are they? They're available in like most big cities, probably, and things like that. But what about rural areas? Like, would no. they, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, that seems like again very niche. <laughs> but another way for them to yeah sell their internet and everything too. Like, yeah, you don't have fast speed here ever. Google Fiber. Yeah, the trade off would be oh we don't have you don't have to have a console. So that saves you like four hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh, what a, our our internet would uh, or that cost the money that you're saving would work perfect with our fiber. Now, currently, Google Fiber is available in eighteen different cities across the U.S. That's it. That's yeah. it. So yeah, it's, was... not, it's not even available in that many places. I know it's in Austin. That's the only one I know of. It's probably it's over in, in California. Okay, too. it's available in Atlanta, Austin, Charlotte, Chicago, Denver, Huntsville. Kansas City, Miami, uh, Nashville, Oakland, Orange County, Provo, San Antonio, San Diego, San Francisco, Salt Lake City, Seattle, and the Triangle. Triangle? What's the Triangle? No clue. The, the, Bermuda, the Bermuda Triangle? The Bermuda Triangle? I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, yeah, I mean, Silicon Valley is going to get it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> Now, I, I think the downsides to this is that, you know, we'll have a Google-controlled ecosystem where Google pretty much... Spying on you too, man. I'm telling sure. you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the, the data they would collect also, if they have their own ecosystem, they can have full control over how much money goes to the developer versus how much money they get, right? And that's been a problem with YouTube, for example. Because guess what? If you're a content creator, you're getting 55% of the revenue. Google is taking 45%. For what? For building a platform? It's unfair, in my opinion. So if those are the practices that Google is taking on right now with content creators, I can only imagine what they will do with game developers. They're not going to give them more than 30%. They won't. And I don't think that's very fair. I think the economy of scale in the video game industry is very messed up today. Yeah, that's why they need a union more than ever now. Well, and that's also why I kind of like what Epic Games is doing because they're only taking 12% of the cut, whereas platforms like Xbox, Sony PlayStation, Steam, they're taking 30%. And yeah. it's, it's making harder for game developers to create games and, and make money in the process, which is why we have so many microtransactions. Yeah, you know. it's like second coming of Skynet. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and, then, and then, you know, finally, if you're streaming the content, do you really own the content? And what happens if Google decides, hey, it's not economic for us to keep the servers up and running? In, 20, my, years, in yeah. 20 years from now, I'm wondering if you can play Assassin's Creed Odyssey if you don't have the disc. That's my oh. biggest concern with this. Absolutely. And they gave no reason for, you know, they gave no answer to that at all during this conference. Like, if you're going to actually be able to own it, nothing, with, nothing about that, nothing about price or anything like that. 
there's a lot of unanswered questions. We do know that there is going to be a controller accessory that will be coming out. It will run through Wi-Fi, so it should offer a better experience in terms of a lag input. But other than that, we don't know much else. They did confirm two games that are coming out for this platform. Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Doom Eternal will be coming out. There are also rumors that Red Dead 2 is coming out in the future. Skyrim and Metal Gear Solid and multiple EA Sports titles. But no, I mean, they said something about exclusives, but they showed nothing. <laughs> no. So... Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing supposed to come this year, so. Yeah. So, to wrap up the conversation for the night, I do want to ask, do you guys think that Sony and Xbox and Nintendo should worry about this technology that Google announced? No. Xbox, probably the most, because they're, they're, they are doing the project, they're doing xCloud, that's their streaming service that they have coming. I would say Xbox is the one that would have to worry the most out of the three because they're going to be in direct competition with them. Siva, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that Sony, Xbox, and Nintendo should worry about this technology that was announced by Google? No. They've already got a very established like fan base. I don't think it'll be like... I don't know if it's fair to compare it to the Wii, but like... Nintendo marketed the Wii as like the revolutionary, like motion censored controls, and mm -hmm. it was kind of not great. <laughs> um, but like I said, Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo are pretty established in the gaming community. It's going to be hard for any competitors to come in, like Nin or not Nintendo. Uh, Google would have to come in really strong. So maybe that's why they're keeping quiet because they've got some cards in their back pocket that they're waiting to play out. And that's the thing is they have they have the resources they have the money they have oh, they the, money to, have the money to to throw their hat in the ring at this at their first gaming like adventure basically like their first step into gaming they went jumped right into streaming <laughs> basically there's no box there's no console or anything like that you're literally just going to be able to stream to these devices but again all these unanswered questions yeah and i, I think i think the money will only take them so far it might allow them to buy some exclusive titles, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the adoption rate amongst consumers will be great with this new product. I think that, you know, there's there's going to be some speculation about what it's able to do. And I feel that if you are an Xbox gamer, then you're you're already set on the platform that you're playing on. If you're a Sony guy, you already have your PlayStation, and that's probably where you'll stay. Same thing with Nintendo. I think Nintendo has enough unique exclusive IP to not have to worry about Google Stadia in any way at all. Right. And even if you look at products like Google Plus, for example, it was Google's answer to their social network platform, but it didn't really work out well. And even though they put a lot of money into that platform, they are going to be discontinuing it at the end of this month. Why? They, because the adaption rate didn't exist like they had hoped. They get their money from so many more internet-based things, though, and products. Like, 
So it's like, if this does not catch on, like, it's not going to hurt them, like, at all. <laughs> like, they're literally just going to come up with something else. Yeah, it's just, they're just trying exactly. a new hobby at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so this is very low risk for them. And I don't think the developers are going to, like, all jump to this because they're going to, they're going to like their security that they get, like, at the other big three and Epic Game Store and things like that. Yep. I I agree. So you have one thing, since this is a streaming, it's basically kind of like Netflix for video games, right? They weren't really clear about that because it's a streaming <laughs> it's a streaming service, but they weren't clear if you have to purchase the game and then you have a digital license for it, or if you pay a subscription fee and you're able to play games kind of like what we have with Xbox Game Pass. So there's a lot of unanswered questions about yeah. this. Uh, yeah, they said you're going to be system. able to watch somebody, your favorite streamer. They're going to be playing the game, and then you're going to say, oh, I, want to, I might want to play that. And there's going to be a link in there. And you'll be able to click on that, and it's going to take you to, the, to, that, to be able to play it and everything. Yeah. But they did not go into any kind of detail of how exactly that's going to happen as far as what it's going to cost and things of that nature. Yeah, that's the information that's going to either make or break this whole endeavor of theirs, of like how they're going to structure it. I mean, is it going to be a subscription service? Is it going to be based on per title? Is it going to, you know, what's it going to be? I feel like it would have to be per title, though, because you couldn't do like an end-user license agreement for every game in their library like that. It just wouldn't work. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they had that splash screen with all those developers, like, saying that they're going to do work on it and everything provide games for it but yeah we have a lot of unanswered questions about this and it will be interesting to see how this new technology plays out in the overall gaming industry um, i did read very recently according to several analysts by 2022 there's an expectation that our entire industry will become fully digital I have a hard time believing that, but time will tell, I guess. I mean, I, I would love for them to keep physical games because that is an important part of gaming history and for sake of preservation and longevity, I like to have that physical item. So that will always be my preferred method of, of getting video games, unless I'm buying like a DLC in that case, I mean, if it's an expansion for something, I can see myself buying it digitally, but otherwise I do want the physical disc. Yeah, so, I don't mind changing out my cartridges and discs. I'm not yeah. I'm not that lazy yet. Yeah, I think the only reason they would do that is just think of how much money they spend on the packaging itself, how much they pay the, the factories, yeah. how much they pay the truck drivers to get the, the copies to it's the store. Save them so much the money. Space. It's gonna um, save Believe it or not, I actually did some research on this, and it does not cost less money for them to distribute and bring to you uh, digital versus physical. And the reason for that is they have to also maintain servers that run the content. When you when you think about the cost of delivering the content to you, it's actually it's about the same, hmm. surprisingly. 
Um, and another reason why they might be heading to that too is just game files, game sizes are becoming astronomically large. Once we get into 4K like assets, like straight 4K, native 4K at 60 frames, like how big are those file sizes? Yeah, would discs even be able to handle that? Exactly. Because yeah. yeah, the games are just getting bigger. Just goes to show you the division. Like, isn't that like a hundred hundred gigabytes or something like that? Yeah. alone <laughs> yeah so Gear, I mean, gears was like 140 yeah final fantasy 15 is like almost 200 i think on pc goodness gracious yeah. <laughs> i don't think i have a game more than 100 i think gta 5 is like my heftiest game that's still huge yeah, yeah. humongous yeah so it, it will be interesting to see where google stadia goes in the future and by the way, I really don't like this name. It kind of sounds like Stavia, which is like artificial Stevia. sweetener. Stevia, whatever. It's artificial Stevia, sweetener. Uh, I can't um, even pronounce it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. This kind of sounds like an artificial console that just won't really... Oh, burn. Sick burn. Play out. But we'll see. Um, so I think we covered so many things today. And uh, I think it's a good, good place to wrap things up for the evening. And I want to thank you both for being on today on the show. Uh, Shadow Price, as always, it's, it's always great to talk Destiny with you. And Siva, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We really appreciate having you on. Thanks for having and me. I learned a lot. Destiny. I learned a lot from you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah likewise, man. Like, yeah, thanks for coming on and sharing your, your knowledge and opinions and everything. It's, uh, it was awesome. Yeah, it's an absolute blast. And to finish up the conversation, where can everybody learn more about you, Siva? Uh, I am dominantly on Twitter. I'm a Twitter addict. <laughs> I'm uh, at SivaTech from XB, as in Xbox. No spaces, no fancy letters for numbers, just SivaTech from XB. You can reach me Awesome. There. Awesome. And we will have your twitter handle in the show notes so if you do want to learn more about siva tech and follow him on twitter he's pretty cool and you should definitely follow him and shadow price where can we learn more about you uh you can find me on twitter at shadow price 79 and when i stream you can follow you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash i'm shadow price very cool and you can find the destiny show podcast at www.destinyshow.com. We're also available on your favorite podcasting app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Podbean, and more. And we're also coming to YouTube next week. So with next week's episode, you will be able to find us, along with all of the previous episodes on YouTube. Next week, we will have Green from focused fire chat on the podcast so thank you all for tuning in each and every week and we cannot wait for more exciting things to come in the near future so thank you all for tuning in for another episode of the destiny show podcast and we'll see you all next week bye bye everyone okay that does not sound like dage at all no hi i'm dage from bungie that sounds more like it
You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Since the dawn of time, there have been storytellers who teach through their stories. These myths give rise to fundamental truths, and these truths shape our collective experience. Yet these myths are not something of the past, and today they engage us more fully in the story itself. Video games allow us to live the lives of our favorite myths. My name is Blue Crew 86 host of Focus Fire Chat, and I want to invite you to explore our modern-day myths with us. Join with us as we explore the stories, the mythologies of the Destiny franchise, as well as other games. Let's explore together. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.